Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Now, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies, and in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of February, and we are doing a special event this month, and it's been called Guilty Pleasures Month, uh, wherein myself and Kyle have been selecting movies that are maybe objectively more towards the shitty side of the film <laughs> spectrum. Yeah. Uh, however, from our perspectives, our individual perspectives, uh, we have a certain appreciation for them, or maybe we just find them very watchable or what have you. Uh, so this week is the conclusion of uh, Guilty Pleasures Month, and we've been saving this one. Uh, this is basically the movie that gave rise to the occasion in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kyle, you had the pick this week. What did you select? Uh, I went with Joel Schumacher's 1985 cheese fest, St. Elmo's Fire. Uh, This is about a group of friends just out of college uh, struggling with adulthood, as it says on the IMDb page. Uh, This is starring the Brat Pack, uh, some of the Brat Pack. uh, Demi Moore, uh, Rob Lowe, Judd Nelson, uh, Emilio Estevez, Ali Sheedy. Uh, Demi Moore and Rob Lowe were not a part of the Breakfast Club, but I felt like that was kind of, I think you had to have a Judd Nel- you had to have one of the original Breakfast Club members for it to be Brat Pack. Um, well, yeah, they had to you know, they had to unlock the door for them, you know, let them in. Yeah. <laughs> this movie so, Hey, I got this guy Rob. He's kind of cool, right? <laughs> Rob, he's 19 in this movie. Jesus. Yeah, right? Uh yeah, he's a child in this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is all kinds of silly and stupid. Um so, one one thing, this thing, this is like an 80s, if you want to check mark, you're like, cheesy dialogue, check. Bad wardrobe, check. Bad hair, check. Music video written for, or, or music, uh, or song written for the movie with music video, including scenes from the movie, check. Uh, <laughs> there's a music video that I, I had Trevor, hopefully he watched it before he uh, watched it. I told him to do that with this and the Three Musketeers um, all for one video, which I just find myself watching occasionally because it's just great. Uh, but apparently the song Man in Motion, it's important because it comes up in the film several times, uh, written and performed by John Parr. This was actually supposed to be for a paraplegic um, Special Olympics athlete, from what I understand. Something along I those mean, lines. I mean, the basic t- like the basic theme and title of it actually seems more appropriate for that because this is your prototypical, like, mid 80s uh pump up slash like you know positivity song feels good like this yeah this belongs in a sports drama not a suburban white kids with problems movie (laughs) and i'm guessing they i I don't know what it was for if it was just like yeah we were gonna do this movie about this guy and it fell through and the guy wrote a song for it so maybe that's what happened um i'm not entirely sure but it's a very silly music, music video you should definitely go watch it but i just wanted to point out at the end of this music video, this guy is like singing by a window and singing in an abandoned uh, warehouse and singing in front of a rainy window and in the bar, the St. Elmo's bar. But did you get to where, did you see where he's singing the song and he goes up to each one of them individually and is singing the song to them? Yeah, this like man that's probably like 40 by now is just like kicking it with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> he's like hovering over their shoulders and stuff. And by the way, like... The, su- the title of the song is Man in Motion, but yeah. this man's hair is, is what's truly in motion. Yeah. Um, I, can see I in... described him as looking like, like Jay Leno, but like the hair is like 
10 times as big and and it looks like a skunk died on top of his head or something <laughs> i can see a new horizon underneath the blazing sky i'll be where the eagle's flying higher and higher it's such a good line <laughs> such a good couple lines it's i mean to its credit it's it's a awesome song it's like, really I, awesome. I listen to it on my own time like, like, <laughs> like, like i enjoy it like unironically <laughs> i tell you what also kicks this movie into gear is the opening opening scene or opening uh music is the love theme by david foster who's who's been working for a long time writing uh scores for films but it's fucking annoying it's one of the things that okay i picked this movie basically because i watched this one day because i had seen breakfast club 16 candles i'd seen some of the brat pack movies and i was like oh how come i've never seen saint elmo's fire it seems like right up my alley i mean especially with with these movies and I watched it, and I'm like, no wonder uh, no one's ever told me to watch it, because it is stone-cold stupid. Um, <laughs> it is bad. And I'm like, it was just a fascinating bad for me. Like, I have a problem I've noticed with small, like, just dialogue in, mil- in, in movies. Uh, very few uh, that I've seen contemporary directors are good at writing good, long dialogue scenes, excluding Quentin Tarantino, obviously. Like, he's really good at it. Uh, but like I tried watching, that's the problem I have with Rob Zombie is like his di- the dialogue in his movies are gar. It's the worst, and I takes me out of the movies for the most part. Yeah, the danger of of that style of dialogue where you're you're kind of like giving your actors the floor to like really stretch their wings and like have their scenes and stuff. Uh, the scary part of doing that is that it it can become self indulgent. Um, it's a very fine line you're walking when you're going about things in that fashion. Tarantino, like you said, he has a knack for it. He's very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, uh, his popularity gave rise to a lot of imitators who were mm-hmm. not good at it. And very we got much. to sit through a lot of, you know, bargain bin garbage straight to video movies done in that style with poor acting and writing. So imagine what those are like. Wanted, but, End of Watch, Boondock Saints. Yeah. All. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. It comes across as just like okay, you're taking things for a walk, and you're you're clearing out some shit in your basement, um, and hoping that the audience agrees with all your points. It's like right. usually they're not going to. No. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, this movie is bad in a fascinating way. Yeah. Um, it, in particular, though, I think it's fine that you you pinpoint the writing because for me personally, that is that is like the problem with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the the writing and the editing. Um, to its credit, the production design and some of the shots are actually quite good. However, their use in the film, like the way they're edited into things and the way the dialogue scenes are, are spread out throughout that, is terrible. Mm. <laughs> it's like it's like nobody made the movie. It's like they just laid down the things that they shot on the editing bay and just let it play out. <laughs> just, yeah. It's like they made a play, basically. I guess this was written, I believe, in part by Joel Schumacher. I think there might it might be a co co written, um, but it's supposed to be about self made drama, about how we make drama for ourselves, like w- during this age, like right after college, and we make dramas for ourselves to make things more difficult. And I'm like, does he mean not considering the consequences of your decisions? Because that's all I can really gather from each of these characters is, except for like, uh, except for Wendy, who's just trying to gain her independence and trying to navigate yeah, through she, that she has real shit going yeah, on. yeah she's got a real problem so i mean thematically that does make sense i do see that thread playing throughout the story um where it's it's just like petty bullshit it's making mountains out of molehills essentially taking things that should be small concerns and blowing them out of proportion 
which you know young people are mostly entitled to do if they're like financially secure which all these characters are for the most part thank you that was about that was about to say i'm like these are all rich kids by the way uh they all went undergrad at georgetown that's not an easy school to get into and it's not a, a cheap school either yeah georgetown a school with a reputation so solid they refused to let the filmmaker make mm-hmm. the film on their campus <laughs> correct yeah i think it was we don't want yeah. we don't want anything to do with this horse shit no. the directors of what no absolutely not <laughs> i mean yeah 1984 85 i wouldn't be surprised that's unfortunate and we'll get into those themes a little later but yeah we we get our we get our love theme from david foster uh definitely check that out it's it's so the the love theme, Kyle. Are you talking about like the instrumental version of Man in Motion do, do, on the do, piano? Do, 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 do. Yeah, the the piano, that hardcore okay. piano. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the two instruments that you need to have in the back of your mind as we're talking about this movie, folks, are a piano and a saxophone. 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 <laughs> oh, that might be one of my. It's one of my favorite like. We have True Romance, the Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken scene, the opening scene of, of Inglorious Bastards, and then Rob Lowe playing saxophone in this movie. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> one of his greatest scenes. <laughs> so, Kyle, when you're doing your sax count before we get started, um, were you including instances in which a saxophone is played on screen or just times in which it came up on the score? The bo- the bars, specifically. That's, that's okay. what I'm talking to, is the bar scene. Okay. Okay, well, yeah, the, the, the saxophone is not to be denied in this film. <laughs> it makes itself apparent. <laughs> yeah, we, we get our opening shot, we get this stupid song, and we get, what, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven friends. We have seven friends, just, it looks like they just graduated Georgetown, and they're just, they oh, we just graduated, motherfucker. We're walking off to probably go to the bar and shit. Um, I and, think they were just drunk. Because it's very possible. Th- th- this is seven kids walking in a line on the on the front lawn of their college campus. Yeah, but they're all alone, <laughs> and they all have their graduation garb. It's like, is this like the day after, and you guys are still just wearing your shit or something? Because <laughs> like, where are all the other kids? Yeah, right. Uh, it's just supposed to tell us that they just graduated. You know, I know, college. I know. Um, just being silly. Yeah, so it's the chums chums leaving uh, leaving college. Uh, turns out that somebody's in the hospital. We get Judd Nelson, you know, busting through the hospital. Um, we've got. I'm just going to introduce the characters right now, and uh, we can talk about them, I guess, a little later. Um, we've got Wendy, who's dating Billy, who's Rob Lowe. Um, Jules, Demi Moore, who is you know she's just loose. Uh, Alec, who is uh, Judd Nelson, dating Leslie, Ali Sheedy, both from Breakfast Club. The uh, the criminal in the basket case. Then uh, you got the jock Emilio Estevez playing Kirby, and then my he's l- the jock in the Breakfast Club. Have you never seen the Breakfast Club? I haven't. It's it's <laughs> fine. It's in the Criterion Collection for some fucking reason. I guess it was culturally significant in the United States, but it's pretty not good. Um, that that and the Goonies are two big blind spots in my eighties uh, eighties <sighs> film history background. Goonies is good because Joe Joey Pants and Special Agent Johnson are pretty funny in there. Uh, it, uh, the the lady from uh, Throw Mama from the Train, yeah. I'd very much like to see. It, have you seen that movie? Yes, I have. Okay, great. Good, yeah. good, good. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Then, yeah, and then last but certainly the least, uh, Kevin, played by Andrew McCarthy, who you'll remember from Pretty in Pink and uh, Weekend at Bernie's, if you've seen either one of those films. Um, my least favorite character. 
yeah, so it turns <laughs> out Billy Billy is a Lothario, and he's dating Wendy, who we're going to find out is a virgin. So kind of taking advantage of Wendy, but yeah, he crashes her. He totals her car. She's just like, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's not a big deal. He was drunk as shit, by the way. Uh, yeah, and they're kind of getting on to Billy. He's like in the back of an ambulance playing the saxophone. Just like... It's kind of cheesy. I don't think they'd let him do that. Uh, was he playing the saxophone while driving drunk? I would be surprised. <laughs> I would not be surprised. But be, like moments before that scene, though, I'd, how dare you skip over the very large naked man hanging out in the background because it, it was even like the first time i watched it i'm like they're they're trying to be funny at, at some at some points and they're this. trying like when jules is locked herself in her apartment they're it's supposed to be comedic like it's supposed to be high tension and comedic at the same time i'm like what, what are you doing yeah that that sequence comes across as like it's supposed to be like farcical to some degree but just the i think the actors were totally lost like, I think there was a lack of direction on the set, potentially, mm. <laughs> um, because, yeah, the way they're doing their line deliveries and their energy level in that scene, they're all playing it 100% straight, but I'm pretty sure they're not supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a very large naked man hanging out in the hospital. Um, and thus, like, from, I think, the second shot in this movie, actually, we're already beginning, like, a really a really bad trend mm. in, in the filmmaking like involved in the production of this film is uh telling without showing yes um oh, th- this yes. comes up time and time <laughs> again in this movie to a frustrating degree to the point that it's like dude you you had to have known what you're doing yeah. it's like some somebody had to have had joel schumacher's ear on the set and was just like joel 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 g- would, would it be a good idea to like you know film that scene it's like no no we're fine we're just we're gonna fine. talk about it <laughs> no we'll just talk about it this whole movie is talking it'll be fine <laughs> yes our george clooney impression of joel schumacher will definitely come up here once or twice if you haven't heard yeah. he directed eight millimeter and we touch i touch on it we touch on it there um yeah um, but yeah mr. mr Lowe is playing the saxophone in the back of an ambulance and uh yeah he gets hauled away because he is being arrested for drunk driving. And, and during this scene, we get some very quick characterization. Basically, we learn Judd, Judd Nelson, Alec, is a tool because um, he's he's the one that's in the suit and has his hair combed, so therefore he's the tool. Oh, oh yeah, he's the one with the good job, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's immediately, like, condemning, condemning Mr. Lowe and, like, informing him that like oh you're gonna get you're gonna get hauled off to jail and he's like oh okay i'm a bad boy because like that's another thing you need to keep in the back of your mind as we're talking about this movie is your first impression of all of these characters is your only impression of them (laughs) you learn everything about them in this opening scene essentially yeah Uh, (laughs) um but yeah uh next i think we get what Emilio Estevez running back into the hospital, Kyle? He, he runs back into the hospital because he sees Andy McDowell, uh, I guess. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Holy fuck. Like, she's, I was kind of taken aback, to yeah. be honest. When I first was like, like, oh, it's Andy McDowell. I'm like, oh, she's actually pretty hot what, here. What year was Groundhog Day? Like, 90, I think it was like 90 or 91. It was like, whew, right on the, around the decade change I mean, there. not to be that guy, but like, a couple years difference? Holy fuck fuck yeah <laughs> like yeah. like wow she is she's breathtaking in this film you can see why she got started and that's where you're like you're watching uh like multiplicity and you're like really okay 
Uh, yeah, I, I never thought she was much of an actress. She just has a nice way, a pleasant way about her. And for this role, it works perfectly. Like, that's uh, all she's asked to do. I want to rewatch that John Travolta movie, Michael. She's oh, that. fuck. I want to rewatch <laughs> I it. remember that. I remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember my, my family having a big problem with it. Um, I don't know why they let me watch it with them, but I want to go back and watch that. That seems like it could be a fun Travolta. What that's a weird little blip in in Mr. Travolta's filmography. Where he Is like it? The, 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 no, no I, I'm talking about not just that movie, but there was like he had his metaphysical spell where it's like phenomenon uh, and Michael almost back to back. And he was a Scientologist at the time. Interesting. Like, huh? <laughs> it's almost as if he's into some weird shit. <laughs> Did you notice the heartbeat that comes over the over the soundtrack? Like it's like don't don't. There's like a heartbeat think, in the background when he sees her. I think it's supposed to be like the lead-in to the like the romantic theme that plays whenever he's around Andy McDowell. Yeah. Okay. Um, Real quick, <laughs> all the male characters are the worst, are like awful people in this movie. Every single one of them. Uh, I'll just give you, I'm just giving the rundown of like why they're shitty. Uh, uh, Billy, played by Rob Lowe, is a reckless Lothario who has a wi- who has a wife and child, uh, and he's a piece of shit. Uh, Andrew McCarthy, which I don't even want to give it away just yet, but no, please don't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Judd Nelson is, um, like you said, kind of a like an ass. Uh, how would you just? What would you say to describe him? Uh, tool. He's a tool. Yes, he is a tool. <laughs> um, which will I also don't want to give that away just yet because I, that, that's the one thing that pisses me off is we're, we're never shown. We're never get like you said. We're not shown anything. We're just told, and it makes no sense how Ali Sheedy anyway. Emilio Estevez <laughs> is a level 10 stalker, like, sociopath crazy person in this movie. Uh, he's by far the the most, <laughs> he's the most chemically imbalanced of the group. Like, he really does not know what he's, like, he doesn't realize what he's doing. And I'm not sure Joel Schumacher knows exactly what the character is doing. I don't think so either. In fact, this character, the way they're written, it's it's problematic to the point that's like, dude, maybe just cut that out of the whole movie like it would it would take down the the screen time quite a bit it wouldn't take much away because his interactions with the rest of the cast this is a cast of seven characters they're supposed to be like really tightly knit with each other like they they hang out with each other constantly to the to the point of being a little awkward but he's the one who's usually not there like him and wendy are kind of the odd people out yeah and it would be so easy to cut him out. Wendy, not so much. Like, her character is important just because of the overall theme of the story. Yeah. Where it's about, you know, taking the next step in life and becoming a mature adult or whatever, which that's her entire path. She has a nice in his case. In his case, he's written like he is seven years behind the rest of these people. Like, mm-hmm. he's written like he is a 13-year-old boy. Yeah. Um, he is an indignant little shit. And yeah, he's a stalker, but the only reason it doesn't come across as like utterly terrifying and creepy Cause he's is because foot. he's demi- he's diminutive <laughs> and his behavior is that of a child. He's adorable Emilio <laughs> Estevez. He's like you can just put him in your pocket, like he's not scary. He has maybe the conclusion of his arc, I think, is a nice moment, but it's not earned. It's not it's not <laughs> enough. Yeah, it's not earned, nor is it enough. Yeah, they are. He's he's basically a waste, to be honest. They are a codependent friendship group. Uh, it, I think it seems more realistic than friends, but it's still not very realistic. But yeah, this is this is kind of like a friends group. 
Uh, yeah, this is show. this is the template for Friends. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. But I was telling you off air, the only difference there is that Friends is relayed to you via in like bite sized chunks via twenty two minute episodes minus situational comedy. <laughs> yeah, it is a sitcom, <laughs> and its intention is to make you laugh. Whereas this one, we're we're trying really hard to make this a a heavy drama, mm-hmm. and we're grossly unqualified to do so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the friendship group, they get all together, and they're going to St. Elmo's Bar, uh, which is where they all hang out. And apparently they can reserve a table on what appears to be a Friday or a Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to call bullshit. Uh, but it's because they're so cool, and they've been going there for so long that they've got a reserve table. Who's the bar- Who's the owner? I only know him by his voice. I don't know his name, but he plays the da, 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 Bobby Boucher from, from Farmer uh, like Waterboy. Farmer Fred from Waterboy. <laughs> I always, yes, li- I I've, like. I've seen that man's nipples. <laughs> I, I always like seeing him. He's he's always great. But yeah, like belly, you're light. Like you're, you're supposed to be not supposed to be leaving like that. Um, I do like how he's uh, Emilio Estevez is sneaking a beer at the table. It's kind of fun. Emilio Estevez is actually studying to go to law school, so he's serving part time and. And trying to and studying for the LSAT to get into law school, or he's actually in law school. I, I don't remember which one. He might be in law school. Uh, it it's either or. Yeah, I know there's there's a lot of allusions to like what about law school? Yeah, but it, you never get the sense that he's like hitting the books or anything. Um, like I said, his screen time in this movie is severely limited for the most part. Um, but yeah, at, during their entry to the bar is when we get our first taste of that mm. that sweet, sweet man in motion song. Yeah. Anytime and, uh, we're drinking, the way it, yeah. the, the way it starts to play is um, he goes back in the hospital to try to chat up Andy McDowell, who plays a character named Dale Bieberman. Ugh. So K- Kirby and Dale, it's like okay, whoever wrote this is mm, reaching a little bit. It's like let's let's you know let's dial it back a little bit. <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, the song starts up as she walks away from him. He he fails to secure a date, but you can tell it's written all over his face that yeah. the plan going forward is I'm gonna get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you no, you're not. <laughs> you're absolutely not. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we go and we hang out in the bar, and this place is just popping, dude. Yeah. yeah, I would love to go to this bar. It looks like so much fun. This seems like a like a fun crowd. Well, this this starts a weird precedent in this movie um, that has to do with the energy level. Mm-hmm. Um, er- everything's very heightened in this movie. Like the the drama is dialed up several notches. It's like, I mean, to to quote the Beavis and Butthead do America. It's like that's really not that much. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's in regards yeah. to like the the heights of the drama. It's like really not that big a deal. <laughs> it's like. Um, but like every party scene in this movie, I don't know what the ac- the extras were told, but they're just like acting like this is the best fucking party ever. Yes. Yes. So every crowd scene in this movie just it looks like the coolest fucking place to be yeah. in that moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would, maybe think of Demi, Demi Moore doing a Cameron Diaz uh, in the counselor on the uh, jukebox when. Billy, Billy's playing in the in the bar. Um, yeah, so I have my note here. I physically hate Andrew McCarthy as an actor, and I I can't stand his character in this movie. Uh, but they're like, what's bothering Kevin? Like something's bothering Kevin. Um, he's a writer, so he's annoying. So he says. Yeah. Like, he 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 claims to be a writer who does no writing. I mean I mean that's the case with many writers. The only major difference is most of those people who say that about themselves are already published. Yes. <laughs> he's just an, working on book number two he's just a douchebag <laughs> that is the best way to just like 
Yeah, Judd Nelson's a tool. Andrew McCarthy's just a douchebag. Uh, no, yeah, Judd Nelson's a tool. Emilio Estevez is a child. Is, Andrew McCarthy is firmly like sixteen years old, uh, and he thinks he he thinks he knows better. Uh, he and Rob Lowe are, should be felons. They are borderline felons in this movie. You think? <laughs> not, not even borderline. <laughs> yeah. So um, Rob Lowe is, you know, giving fuck eyes to some lady at the bar, um, vice versa. And uh, uh, they Judd Nelson ends up taking uh, Billy into the bathroom. They all kind of, all the guys go into the bathroom. And he thinks he's going to go do some coke in there. He's uh, he's mad at him for something, but he doesn't know just quite yet. But he, he takes him into the stall. And he dunks his head in the toilet. I'm sorry. That's a fist fight. And it's just played off like, oh, why did you do that, man? I'm like, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter if you're be- it's your best friend or some dude you just met. That's a fight. <laughs> especially, yeah, no, that, that, that will escalate from there. That's not the end of that. <laughs> especially early 20s. If you're 22, yeah, that's that's going to escalate quick. I mean, these are, two, these are two handsome guys in the 80s in a bar, and they're like, they're fairly well dressed, so I don't think any punches would be thrown. It would just be a lot of collar stretching. Yeah, I can a see a lot of come collar on, stretching. Come on, man! <laughs> a lot of wrestling. That makes <laughs> like, sense. It's like, but I don't want to hit you because I know we're, we're both too pretty for that. <laughs> it's like, uh, we have futures. And then the moment when I watched this movie for the first time, and I'm like, this is beyond stupid, was the, they, they all the dudes are in the bathroom together, and they say something, and they... There's like an inside joke that were never explained in the movie, but I did read up on what it actually is. But they go, oh, booga, 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 ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, the fuck is that supposed to be? Uh, apparently, when they were on the set, uh, Rob Lowe, by the way, was 19 filming this. He was in here because he was like the heartthrob at the time. So I mean, look at him. He's dude. <laughs> but he's, he is a beautiful human being at this point. Like, still. Yeah. Fuck, it's Rob Lowe. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Steph was watching with me. And she's like, God, like, how old is he here? I'm like, 19. I'm like, <laughs> She's like, is he, he's getting, he's gotten, he Benjamin buttoned. Like, he came out good looking, and he got better looking as he went along. Uh, she's like, he's never been not attractive. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the genes he got. Um, but apparently, <laughs> fuck. apparently the boogada boogada was, like, they would hear people talking about them, like, talking about them in a crowd. Like, they'd have crowds of people there, probably just to see Rob Lowe. Maybe for the criminal as well, uh, Judd Nelson. But they, that's what it sounded like they were talking. It was like, boogada, 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 and then they would start laughing. And that's oh. where the joke came from. I'm glad you shared that, because I actually assumed it was like like their alma mater or something. Um, because I remember, uh, I remember I had the same question about when uh, Marcus Brody... Oh, Marcus Brody! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Henry Jones, uh, Indiana Jones' dad... When they meet up in Last Crusade, and they have, they're like, eh, da, 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 da. like they they go back and forth with this little exchange. It's like, what the fuck was that? And uh, my friend's mom, who's much older, obviously, she explained. It's like, oh, that's like their their school thing. Mm, it's yeah. like a, it's just a it's a code, basically. That makes sense. Um, so I thought it was that, but um, yeah, <laughs> this this whole exchange was really weird. And this was actually when I first noticed that. Uh, Rob Lowe's character, Billy, is uh, wearing two layers of his school garb. Mm-hmm. So he has, like, his class jacket, then he has, like, a Letterman jacket underneath that. Um, and again, like you, like I said, uh, pretty much everything you need to know about these characters is communicated to you within the first minute of this movie. Um, and immediately becomes apparent that it's like, oh, maybe he hasn't quite gotten out of school like from a psychological standpoint, maybe he's still in that place, and that's kind of a, a theme that gets touched on with his character is that he's 
he hasn't quite moved forward with himself just yet. Yeah, uh, he hasn't quite moved forward. The the female characters get better. Uh, the, uh, Ali Sheedy and Wendy, Leslie and Wendy, get better through the film. To be more goes down. Like, she just downward spirals. She is probably the worst uh, thread of uh, any of the characters. Um, well, she's got her, th- a- her thread is maybe the ultimate example of the, the telling without showing. Mm-hmm. Because every... Like, Every aspect of building up to where she is, where she ends up by the end of the movie, is it's communicated to us in a way that's too subtle. Like not, you don't do that for film. Like in real life, that's how that happens. It you know it happens behind the scenes. It's like oh, I should have noticed that was that was happening. In movies, you can't do that. You need breadcrumbs. Like, have you ever seen a fucking Spielberg movie? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like huh, that Marion Ravenwood girl is really good at drinking. Maybe if she ends up drinking later in the movie, it'll factor into the plot. Yeah. It's like, you know, with Demi Moore, it's like, oh, this girl's really depressed or something. It's like, maybe make that a thing that's apparent to the viewer. Don't have it just arrive at the closing minutes of the film. Yeah. Uh, we shoot over to Alec and Leslie's loft, and uh, Judd Nelson's wearing a, a button-down like like jacket. Is he wearing underwear, or is it just 80 short shorts? I want to say it's just 80 short shorts. Man, what a time to be alive. <laughs> And I, I don't even like if I saw those today. I'm like, oh wow, that's a that is a bold choice. But you see, in the '80s, it just feels natural. I'm like, yeah, that's what they wore. <laughs> that's what they wore in the '80s. Yeah, it just looked like they were going to hang out at a pool in a cold ass town with yeah. no pools. <laughs> they have an enormous loft, uh, which I kind of dig. I don't really feel like lofts exist. I feel like they only existed in the '80s. Like I feel eight, like '80s for, and '90s. Yeah, for the most part, it's a. Uh, it's a movie thing or like a different time period thing. Yeah. And this this is like one compliment I can pay to this movie is I'm I'm 90% certain Joel Schumacher's background before he became a director Set designer. was in produ- Yeah, production design and costuming. Yep. And he does have an eye for that. The one criticism I always have to level with him though is uh how he uses those spaces. He yeah. Almost all of his movies have well-designed sets, like lavishly designed to the point of being like maybe calling too much attention to themselves. There is a couple of murals in this movie that it's like. Hmm. That's why I like those. <laughs> oh, that's why I like his Batman movies. Was literally that that he keeps the campiness of the background, especially for the yeah, villains. No, he there is an attention to detail that I appreciate. Yeah, and I can't take that away from him. But what I can take him down a peg for <laughs> take is down a peg. He, <laughs> is how he navigates those spaces yeah. is how he makes use of those sets and he does very little with them in most of his films even batman forever and batman and robin i hate to say it but the best use of the batman forever set with the uh the neon thugs was i saw that in a fucking wcw promo <laughs> because it was shot on the same back lot Makes sense. and they used it better than he did the man who commissioned the building of it but yeah th- this this loft is it's all white there's like brick everywhere um tons of art everywhere ali sheedy has like a studio set up and this actually begins like another trend i noticed in the editing of this film is so first we have telling without showing a second one is a scene introductions via um very long takes Mm -hmm. so the the very first shot when we're introduced to a new venue is oftentimes like a very long take where the actors get to take things for a bit of a walk and the camera like either pushes in or pulls back or rotates around them. In this case, the camera rotates around the, uh, the pair of them. So Judd Nelson and Ali Sheedy um, and 
I think the shot ends when they start smooching. Um, but by the way, the, the, the loft, um, for me personally, what came to mind when I saw this is like, huh, if you like made it more dingy, this kind of reminds me of uh, Seth Brundle's lab in uh, The Fly, the Jeff Goldblum Fly. Oh, it's been so long since I've seen it. It just kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, uh, so this thus begins uh, the characterization of Judd Nelson. So all we know about him for now is that he's a tool. But there's one other subject that he, he, he tends to bring up in almost every dialogue scene he has with Ali Sheedy, Kyle. And, and, and what is that? He wants to get married to her. Uh, he hasn't proposed. <laughs> he just wants to marry her. Still, yeah. <laughs> uh, he wants to marry her. Uh, he also is going to be a Republican. I guess he was a Democrat in college, but he wants to go where the money's at, I guess, and uh, wants to be a Republican. You're not meant to like him. <laughs> not meant to like him. Um, yeah, because it's more money, and he wants to marry Ali Sheedy. Uh, Jules comes a-knocking. Uh, she's tied one off a little bit, and uh, she's like, we, we learned that Jules is, has a rich dad. Uh, she has a horrible relationship with her stepmother. She calls her Stepmonster. It's really annoying. Um, but yeah, we can, we're, we, as if we didn't already know, uh, judging by these two, like this couple's loft straight out of, you know, out of Georgetown. Yeah. They're doing well financially and all the art. Um, they go antiquing on Saturday and get a couch. Um, they're doing fine. Uh, yeah, she's, she sits down, she gets a bottle of absolute vodka, uh, pours, yeah, she rotates the bottle. <laughs> she pours her, yeah, it literally rotates it to the camera uh pours her and ali sheedy a big old slug like she, she's got half a glass here like it's a pretty good sized glass of straight vodka um which i always take note of like what people are drinking in movies like how they're drinking and she this isn't good for a 22 year old um it's just not good but yeah uh they give her a bed to sleep on i guess she had some kind of drama and uh ali sheedy and alec go to bed and she pours the rest of ali sheedy's vodka into her own and she's got a full glass of vodka now she's just gonna drink before bed yeah it's a fun little moment where everyone leaves the room and the camera just kind of lingers on her for a second it's, yeah. it's cute yeah. but a couple of notes with this scene though um one uh another instance of telling without showing um we never actually meet her step monster no not once and virtually every every dialogue scene that she's involved with she brings her up brings and up. we never once see her character um and the other one is kyle like, maybe this is just me being, like, I'm not good with hugs and shit. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not good with that. Like, I, I'm a very friendly person, but there, I my personal bubble was a little different, I yeah. think, than a lot of people. Like, do you have lady friends that you kiss on the lips? No. None. Absolutely none. Okay, well, I noticed that that's a thing in this movie. It's just, like, this, this group of friends is so tightly knit and so incestuous to the point that a lot of times they do that kind of thing, and that's exactly what Judd Nelson does with Demi Moore. He kisses her goodnight, basically. I kiss, or, or or the other way around. I kiss the fem or like like my mom, my grandma on the cheek. I give them a my stepmom. I give them a cheek kiss. That's well, that's, you get. I mean, it. a Euro a European peck on yeah, the on the quick. cheek. You know, I I meet people every now and again that that's expected, so you do it. That's not a big deal. I don't care about that. Yeah, but no. kiss on the lips, kiss on the center of the face. That's a little different. <laughs> I do have a story. I'll tell you off air uh, <laughs> <laughs> about somebody else. But uh, no, that's not something I do. Um, which Ali Sheedy has weird energy. Have you noticed that in this movie? Yeah, she she's really 
I don't know. She she seems really repressed, I think, is yeah. what she's supposed to be. Um, because even the way she's dressed, both her and Wendy have this... Whoever did their wardrobe, um, shame on them. Layers. <laughs> Layers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wendy, uh, we skipped over it because it's not important. But Wendy does have a line about being fat mm. um, when we're in close. the bar. And I just looked at her up and down and was like, no, you're not. No. What? Nobody in this <laughs> not cast at all. <laughs> That just seemed like something that was left in the script, and then again, Joel Schumacher probably just neglected to cut it out because yeah. it had it has no place in the movie, and it's never really brought to light again. Well, it's Al- just like what <laughs> Ali Sheedy had a weird. She has a weird energy in Breakfast Club too. I'm just saying, as an actress, she has a strange energy, at least in the films that I've seen her in. I um, I can't remember her in a Short Circuit, but in this movie in particular yeah she definitely has a strange way about her where she kind of vacillates back and forth between being like she could almost go <laughs> manic at any moment yeah, yeah like she seems like really guarded but then every once in a while she lets her guard down she gets a little bit scary yeah <laughs> it's like it's like whoa that was a shift <laughs> yeah she made me uncomfortable and i was uncomfortable watching her in this movie and that haircut's a little aggressive to be honest so it uh, doesn't help can we cut to <laughs> uh again andrew mccarthy pissing me off in this movie uh, absolutely <laughs> so we get um uh the respect what's the who sings that is it aretha franklin that does the yeah, yeah. i think so. yes sir uh the, the r-e-s-p-e-c-t it's just yeah. happening always makes me think of major pain uh that's uh, anytime I hear it, like major pain. Um, Kevin is. I'm, I even asked Steph while I'm watching this, like, what the fuck is he doing? Um, so, <laughs> like, he's not doing anything. There's no reason uh, for him to be excited. He is singing in a falsetto uh, horribly, uh, along with his stupid hat, sunglasses, smoking a cigarette to this song, and hitting the bongos, like, having just a great time in his shitty, <laughs> shitty little apartment. Um, I can't stress enough how shitty their apartment is. It's tiny little shithole. Um, but yeah, I don't. I'm like, yeah. w- what's he singing for? Like, what's he excited about? Uh, I don't know if it was. Are we trying? Is the is he trying to communicate what everybody thinks? Okay, and they all think he's gay. Uh, well, at least Demi Moore does. And are we supposed to, as the viewer, get that idea from this scene? Because that's not at all what I took from it. Um potentially i mean the song choice is 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 kind of veers in that direction um to be honest like the time of night that the scene is supposed to be taking place it's like dude shouldn't you be get, getting ready for bed like dial up down like maybe this is me being old <laughs> but um yeah i don't know i think this was maybe just a situation where um either it was improvised or schumacher was just looking for a colorful way to transition the scene i um yeah because it works better on, in the latter, yeah. In in terms of energy level, you know, it it contributes something, I guess. It's just awkward and out of place because this never comes up again. Like he, the only other instances in which he puts on music, I think he actually like turns off the music at one of the parties or something. Yeah. And he does mention playing bongos later in the movie, so I guess there's that. He does. I I don't know, but yeah. I do think it's funny that you do mention the the him potentially being gay thing because, um from a visual standpoint it's impossible for me to look at the scene without seeing um the infamous dance sequence from nightmare on elm street 2 the oh wait no i'm thinking the video game one where freddy dances across oh do the freddy <laughs> uh so 
so there's this infamous dance sequence where the the main character is a teenage boy in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, arguably. Um, and there's this line of thinking that like the entire script is a is a metaphor for for like a repressed gay teenager, basically. Oh, okay. um, and there's a sequence of him dancing that's like. I don't know, like, if there's any illusions about this. I'm pretty sure it's like pretty concrete at this point. Gotcha. And and it's and it just so happens that actor is a gay man, and the I think the writer even came forward and said, "Yeah, I totally knew what I was doing with that script. It's just the director failed to notice that." Gotcha. So there's subtext. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, the just the combination of like his colorful wardrobe and and where the where the script goes kind of made me think of that. Um, but yeah, Emilio Estevez, uh, Kirby, he comes in, and the two of them are roommates. And uh, Andrew McCarthy says a line that I'm sure triggered you uh, big time. Uh, Quick, what's the meaning of life? I would hit that kid. Oh, I wanted to throw something hit... at him. Ooh. Yeah, I would just <laughs> grab the nearest tin of coffee or whatever and just <laughs> chuck it at his head. Do you remember in Blade 2 where... Uh, uh... Blade sticks the thing in the back of Ron Perlman's head, and he's like, "If you so much as look at me wrong, <laughs> he just gives that exhale." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's every time I see Andrew McCarthy's movie, I'm like, "Oh, oh God, I want to wring his neck." Oh, yeah, but Emilio Estevez has a quick answer, like ready to go in in the holster. Dale Beberman. Beberman. I hate that name, Fuck. too. <laughs> it's, it sucks. It's so I don't like it. <laughs> yes, Emilio's just spewing out this infatuation with this girl, and Andrew McCarthy is just babble, babble fucking bullshit. Oh, it's, love is created by uh, car companies to sell uh, candy, which creates uh, lawyers more divorce money. Uh, it's just fucking stupid. Uh, it's supposed to be, like, cool and quirky, and it's... I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah, it, it's love this movie. It's the worst <laughs> character archetype, and it's I call it the the teenage mindset. Mm-hmm. It's the everything everything is bullshit mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he he throws it in the face of all the characters through about two thirds of this movie. He takes a turn later on that has him completely backpedal on everything he's been saying. Yeah. So not only is he an asshole, he's a hypocrite. So good for him. <laughs> but then uh rob lowe shows up and he's got sunglasses <laughs> he's got sunglasses on at night and he doesn't have many lines in this scene yeah, i just cannot deal with the little misses <laughs> it's a pretty good line i liked it um he has some silly lines in this movie too uh yeah he just crashes on the couch um yeah. emilio he's relentlessly optimistic and you want you want to hate his character more but i, st- I still like him for like he- he's his actions are reprehensible. Like he's not a good, like he's not doing good things in this movie, but I still like Emilio. Like it's hard for me to really dislike him that much in this movie. Mm-hmm. Plus Andrew McCarthy's really stealing the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I can only have so much hate. <laughs> and, and then we see something that I've never done in my entire life, which is Saturday antiquing and or shopping with my codependent friend group. This is, I, I don't know if this is a thing. Is this a thing? I, you know that that's a huge question I have actually. It's because somebody I want to say it's the director Joel Schumacher, um, looked at the construction of this film and said like, oh yeah, that works. Like yeah, that that's how people are. It's like, no, no, that's not how people are. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, no, I don't spend this much time with anyone. No, 
Um, nor do I bump into people around town that often, nor do I just like get into a moving Jeep after I'm done antiquing. By the way, how big is this town? It's supposed like, it's it's not supposed to be very big. It's supposed to be a smaller town. Like it's, it's still bizarre. the college. It's the college town. Like it's it's not like Seattle where UW is. It's like it's that's a that's a that's a college city. It's a college town. It's, it's different. It's supposed. I to mean, be... that's your first step right there. It's like maybe get out of town. <laughs> it, <laughs> like it reminds me of uh, where my buddy lives in Virginia. I I can't think of what it's called. Uh, but it's it's like exactly this this little town. Like it's it's a decent size, and you totally would bump into somebody like that. But I I feel like they all went out together uh, because they all cram into this jeep together. Like you're not taking cabs or the public transit system, at least that I can see in this movie. I think they all went down there together. I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, uh, like the group converges, and and the big revelation that happens here is that Rob Lowe got a job yeah. via Judd Nelson. He did him a solid. Um, apparently, it's not the first time. Uh, and then we cut to uh, Demi Moore, uh, Jules's pink-ass apartment. Yeah. And it is huge. Well, it I, is huge. I was going to say, this this Saturday daytime, it's like this is the last time that they're all going to hang out together. Because uh, they're like, let's go get some, let's go get drunk. And Jen is like, nope, I got to get back to work. So the the fellowship is breaking now. Like, it, it's all done. But yes, we get, yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say it's it's the equivalent of uh, Anakin and Obi Wan standing at that uh, it's like a bridge, like a sky bridge essentially, and like they're they're about to part ways, and they say goodbye, my friend, and it's like that's the last time. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the next time you see me, I'm gonna be calling myself Darth Vader. I'm gonna kill <laughs> some kids. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna kill some kids and go through a lot of changes. <laughs> Those, there's some pretty funny memes that go along with that. That's, that's him with the dark eyes and then him with all the kids <laughs> about to like you know what's gonna happen. <laughs> there's some pretty funny memes out there but yeah we we get to jules's crazy pink apartment and her giant uh painted billy idol neon uh with neon lights yeah yeah you, you need folks at home you need to understand this is not just a hand-painted mural a gigantic hand-painted mural of billy idol's head it has neon light accents <laughs> in the hair and on the earring but, um this is spectacular this is like on the level of uh michelle pfeiffer's Catwoman her neon wall yeah but with a giant billy idol head yeah. <laughs> uh i i guess it's just supposed to communicate that she is on a spending spree which I, it's weird because she's obviously a rich girl and you'd think she's getting money from her dad but apparently that's not the case uh which is confusing she's like yeah my dad's like vacationing in some place where rich people vacation with my new stepmom who's like a year younger than me or something um so i'm like okay he's rich but she's broke the entire movie so i just it, i just found it odd i'm sorry you said rich girl and my mind went to hollow notes yeah it should oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good girl. place to go yeah <laughs> love all um, notes but yeah there, this that's one of the biggest problems i have with her arc as a character is that we do get explicitly shown her financial situation like we do have a scene of her at work that does spell it out to us Mm -hmm. but that's like in minute 20 of the movie and the payoff for it is like at the last five minutes of the movie Mm -hmm. and in between that we don't really call back to that at all it's asking a lot of the viewer uh in a cast that's seven people wide that's you know your your attention is being pulled in many different directions very easy to get distracted and to not give a shit yeah, <laughs> which is most of this movie, but this is where we have the uh, 
the situation brought to light where um, she has a one-on-one with Andrew McCarthy's character. Who's dressed like um, a like clock tower shooter. Uh, he's wearing a trench coat a, with... A flasher? <laughs> he's wearing a tr- black trench coat with uh, cargo camo pants and tennis yeah, shoes. Yeah, isn't that... I haven't even seen it, but uh, Christian Slater, Heather's, is that anything close to that? He doesn't wear the camo, but it's it's good there. He's dressed like fucking Silent Bob, basically. I, to be honest, yeah, he's just or Jay, Jay, and or Silent Bob. <laughs> oh my God, Jay and Silent Bob did the fusion dance and became uh, Job. No, <laughs> they became Job. Nobody even try to watch that Jay and Silent Bob reboot. You will not get past the first ten minutes. It's one of the, it, it's impossible. I would be shocked if anybody finished that movie. It's crazy. Thank you for making that public knowledge because I think we do have you on record saying you were excited to see that. Yes. So I'm glad. Yes. We, I'm glad we got the follow up to where that went. Watch Jersey Girl <laughs> instead. It's so good. It's it's absolutely great. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we we get the confrontation between Jules and uh, Andrew McCarthy. Well, she's wondering why Andrew McCarthy's never tried to fuck her. And I'm like, well, that's a weird way to start a conversation with one of your closest friends. How come you never tried to fuck me? Uh, I, it just never came up, I guess. Um, <laughs> he also he also has this stupid line, oh, this sounds like one of our infamous talks. And I'm just like, whew. Oh, I just want to slap him. Uh, it, I, I will defend that just a little bit. Yeah, go for from it. A, from, from a screenwriting standpoint, um, her her blowout with Rob Lowe that happens much later in the movie comes as a result of her needing to do one of those late night talks yeah. and him not, him not being the right person to ask that of. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess that line is there to communicate to us, the viewer that this is like her therapy, basically like he's a, he's an important pillar of her support system, I guess. I get that. But the execution, I hate the word choice. Are infamous. Oh, I hate him. Yeah, I hate, him. <laughs> I hate everything that comes out of his face in this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, she. He says, "I don't know." Like he's just trying to blow it off. He's trying to blow it off, and she's like, "It's because you're gay." And he's just like, "Uh, no, I don't think that's it." And like, "Yeah, you're totally gay. You want you you're in love with Alec." And she's like, "It's fine. We all love him, but you're in love with him." And he's like, "Yeah, I want to go." Uh, I'm going to go now. That's that's really when you try to confront somebody. First of all, you should never confront anybody about their sexual orientation. Even if you've known them for years, it's none of your business. Um, It's something for that person to come to you with. Dude. It's like it's like it's like assuming someone's pregnant. <laughs> At a certain you can do point. you can do that. Just don't verbalize it until it's been confirmed. Yeah, <laughs> is she pregnant? You ask three people. Is she pregnant in her exactly. third trimester? Is she pregnant? Yeah, and you can you tell she's vetted. clearly pregnant. <laughs> then you can ask how far along are you? No. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she confronts him about it. Not only is she confronting him about it, she's trying to introduce him to her uh, next door neighbor, Ron, who I don't know what she told him, but Ron is about to pounce. Like he has got daiquiri. He's got a daiquiri and no time to waste. Like he's, <laughs> he's he is ready for it. Um, no, he practically has his ear pressed up against the outside of the door. Yeah, like he's he he is ready and waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, instead Andrew McCarthy takes off. And uh, what's funny though is he does not deny being obsessed with Alec. Yeah, um, we'll come back to that, I guess. Put a pin in it. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, so we cut to Emilio. He is suited up and he heads to a restaurant two hours before it even opens. Um, and I guess he is trying to have a reservation here. And he has his douchey moment here where the waiter's trying to like usher him out the door being like, hey, buddy, we're, we're not open yet. And he camps out at a table meant for four. And the guy's like, but that's meant for w- more people than you're going to be bringing. And he's like, well, I'll pay double. I'm assuming he's <laughs> he's walked into the Seattle equivalent of Canlis. Uh, he's just walked in two hours before the restaurant opens, which you can't do, by the way. That doesn't that never Dorcia. Dor- <laughs> Dorcia. Trying to get a reservation to Dorcia now, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to have to rewatch that movie soon. Um the you can't do that. I've worked I've worked in the service industry for years. No there's no restaurant that will let you inside the restaurant ever. It's just no. never gonna happen. Unless no, you, you don't want to see what goes on in there. <laughs> unless you're an alcohol rep, that's the only way you're getting into that restaurant. Um but yeah, he's he's going like he sits in there and then he ends up staying in there while the restaurant's open, marking on the menu while talking to uh uh, Demi Moore and telling him what you should do like oh you should get oh you should get that oh you should also smell the cork we haven't been doing a Demi oh, yeah. Moore impression I think we should <laughs> we should get how many that. packs a day does she smoke you think? I don't think any she just has like that raspy voice she's like the she's like the female Alec Baldwin like she, she just can get really low like that you know um, <laughs> yeah so by the way this is 1985 so he ordered someone to bring him a phone yeah to place on the table yeah um and yeah he's calling her while she's at work and we get to see her by the way she looks all right dressed down like i kind of like this look on her oh no i'm i'm like, i'm a Demi Moore fan like 80s no, to I early mean, she, 90s she's she's yeah. gorgeous but like in like in this this gear her larry king outfit it's like you know it still kind of works <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i saw striptease <laughs> a few times not the whole movie <laughs> just certain scenes <laughs> when i was a teenager <laughs> Anyway, uh, I have a story for you off. <laughs> <laughs> I've also um, seen Showgirls and Basic Instinct. Anyway, uh, <laughs> hey, Showgirls could have been a guilty pleasure. That movie is fucking hilarious. It, yeah, but it's everybody's aware of it. That's the other thing. Like everybody, that, yeah, knows it's a little overplayed on. at yeah. this point, but it is. It is a. It's like the room. Like, I do. I do derive quite a bit of enjoyment from that movie. It's like the room at this point. Like it has a following. Um, yeah. But yeah. This is where we learn that Jules is advanced on her salary by two fucking months. Try that with our <laughs> former employers trying to get advanced. <laughs> <laughs> Walk into that fucking office and ask if you can get an advance on your salary. <laughs> I don't know how. I would actually, I would pay, I would give up my paycheck just to watch that meeting with somebody. Like, yeah, 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 go ahead, ask them, <laughs> see what happens. Oh, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be in in the morning. <laughs> well, one of them would have. They would get, they would get disappeared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she's, she's advanced by two months on her salary. And she's like, Jules, hmm. like, that, would, the lady's like, yeah, if you want to, if you want any more money, like you're gonna have to talk to the president of the bank. Basically, she's like, I have to pay for my stepmother's funeral, but her stepmother's not dead, though, right? Yeah, it's. I don't think her stepmother dies throughout the entire film. It's like, strange. She's, she's just obsessed with her stepmother dying. It's I like, already it's a weird thing. I already can't wait to watch this movie again. 
It's just, it, this, <laughs> this movie's unlike anything I've ever seen. It really has... It's so watchable for how awkward and bad it is. It's really... Tr- it, I can't wait for you to become an old man with many, many degrees, and then you get to spend your twilight years teaching a college course on the ins and outs of St. <laughs> Elmo's fire. <laughs> Fishing, and I'm going to... I'm going to do what my film... One of my film professors did is I'm going to be a lawyer and then also... Teach film class for fun on the side. That's exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, like I'm totally I, fine with I, that. I am expecting this to happen. Totally <laughs> fine I'm with expecting that. I will sit in the back row and be the guy cackling, <laughs> making a big ruckus in the background. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, we get, I guess Kevin is a third wheel and having dinner with Leslie and Alec that night. And uh, this is where we get a little bit more uh, tell, don't show, uh, where, we, <laughs> where we learn about Alec. But... Not before we hear fucking... It's Leslie It's Leslie and Kevin hanging out. Andrew McCarthy hanging out with Ali Sheedy in this kitchen. And they're doing some, they're doing some food making in there. And they're just like, don't you, have you ever been in love? And he's just being a cynic. He's just being pessimistic. Just like, oh, no, love is stupid. It's fucking dumb. This fucking story that he tells... Who, who, who wrote this? I want to know who wrote this stupid fucking story. Yeah... Well, apparently it was Joel Schumacher. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I think there was, this was co-written, I think. I know, except for the person who co-wrote it, who, you know, to be fair, probably did have a, a big hand in things. Uh, I think they're mostly a playwright, and oh, it shows. Okay. Um, they they don't really have much of a presence online, as far as I know. Uh, but yeah, this is terrible. It's just him telling a story from middle school. It's written so by a guy named. With a gr- I'm sorry. It's written by a guy named Carl Kurlander, who looks like Otter from uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. All nuns are lesbians. Guy, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, the story is just about him being in love with a girl in middle school, uh, who is like in his band or something. Um, he played the bongos, and then she went and and instead decided to date a different member of the band, and I guess that poisoned his views on love until adulthood he says uh, <laughs> middle school by the way he's like yeah i got high on this cheap malt liquor <laughs> there's many things wrong with that statement <laughs> you got drunk on there's no expensive malt liquor there's only cheap malt liquor <laughs> trevor you've passed by malt liquor exclusively in 7-elevens because that's the only place that you can get malt liquor because there's no <laughs> there's no Colt 45, 1973. Oh, this is a Colt 45, 1973. Billy, Billy D. Williams edition. Like, there's no expense. It's so stupid. Oh, Colt so stu- 45. <laughs> also, he was in middle school. He's like junior high. So he was in the 6th, 7th, and or 8th grade. No older than 13. It got sto- or got high on this cheap malt liquor. I had to rewind it. I'm like, I have to hear him say it again. <laughs> It's the, it's the dumbest line of the whole movie. Oh, there's one more that's I'm just, pretty funny. I'm just picturing you like cradling your head in your hands and just having that on a loop all day. And then and then your girlfriend walks in. And it's like, Kyle, are, are you okay? It's like, no, no, I'm not. Hi <laughs> I'm very not okay. On this cheap malt liquor. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be your it would be your shining moment. <laughs> it's like if you have a typewriter in the house <laughs> that's what would be pounded out on it i'm gonna hit him with if i ever see him and it's snowing outside i'm going to hit him in the face with a snowball <laughs> horn uh that's for saint noble's fire 
dickwad. <laughs> yeah, a- Andrew McCarthy has a line he says a couple times. He says it with Emilio Estevez. He's like, love sucks. And he even says it here, too. He's just like, love sucks. Um, mm-hmm. But Alec comes home, and he's uh, going to present uh, Leslie with a present, uh, a teddy, um, lingerie. Uh, and this is where Alec tells uh, Andrew McCarthy, he's just like, yeah, I'm cheating on her. Um, I'm like, okay. Does he, does he, he, he bangs a lady at the lingerie store? Or something like that? Yeah, so the way this goes down, and this is an example of Joel Schumacher, I I don't think you know how people work. Mm-mm. Like I, I really don't think you understand how people work. Because, um, yeah, Judd Nelson comes home, and he has a bag, and he hands it to Ali Sheedy, and he's like, open it. <laughs> he's just like, open it. And she opens it, and yeah, it's sexy lingerie. And, you know, Andrew McCarthy's right there. In fact, he's cooking Judd Nelson dinner right now. <laughs> and ashing, <laughs> ashing into the skillet. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I was about to say, Kyle. There's a lot of indoor smoking in this movie. Oh, in yeah. in like fancy apartments too. Yeah. It's, it's like sign of the times. Oh, she's smoking um, in her office midday. That's that's yeah, why the nine smoking to f- in the office. That's why the nine to five smoking in her pink apartment. That's why that nine to five got popular is because you could smoke in the office. I'm like, yeah, I can totally do this fucking eight hours a day. I can sit in here. I can smoke. You take away smoking, you're like <laughs> what, what, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Just drink coffee and not have cigarettes? I'm like yeah, then get to work. <laughs> also, we need you to stay Shit. late today. <laughs> um but yeah uh he he just kind of leans over and as ali sheedy is going into the bedroom to try on the thing um because he encourages that yeah while their friend is there inappropriate yeah I- yeah very inappropriate well um, i mean but they're supposed yeah, to be just kind of they're 22 like my friendship group is still inappropriate in our early 30s so i'll i'll give him a pass i'm like yeah it's inappropriate but i could totally see one of my friends doing that like hey go try this on real quick well a couple of them, not all of them, but a couple of them. <laughs> <Doing that. laughs> um, but yeah, he just he leans over and he tells Andrew McCarthy, "It's like, um, I actually wrote it in all bold. Uh, Leslie has to marry me soon." <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty much how his line delivery is. Um, and yeah, he apparently when he was buying the teddy, uh, the sales girl came on to him, and yeah, he he fucked her standing up. Um, but the way he communicates this to Andrew McCarthy, it sounds like this is a thing that's happened before. Um, this is not news to him. I mean, if Will Smith doesn't have to fuck his way out of a lingerie store in Enemy of the State, I don't see how Judd Nelson is going to have to. He's no Will Smith, and Will Smith has a better shot of having to fuck his way out of a lingerie store than Judd Nelson. Just <laughs> <laughs> like hitches up his pants. He's like, well... That's what we gotta do. Always gonna be <laughs> mad. Woo! We gotta get through this. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Kevin retorts with, um, "So marriage is going to make you faithful?" Question mark. His logic is bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Judd Nelson is. He's supposed to be a scumbag in this movie. They um, all are. And for some reason, yeah. Actually, like I feel like. Joel Schumacher deserves an award because, like, to to assemble a cast of characters wherein I don't think there's a single likable one of them. No, like we really don't get to spend enough time with Wendy to really care about her at all. No. Um, and yeah, the rest of them are just despicable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ali Sheedy, but like that's why I was like, she's almost a likable person, but again, for me, her as an actress, she's she's strange. She has some intense flaws. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it takes two to tango. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, uh, Mr. McCarthy, he takes a walk 
outside, and he has his uh, Jay and Silent Bob outfit on, and he passes by a lovely hooker. Craig's mom. Has a little... Craig's, Craig's mom? Craig's mom from Friday. Yeah, she. I know her from the Friday. Have you seen any of the Friday movies? Just the first one. Okay. Yeah. The, the second one's pretty fun. I like that second That's one. That's what I've heard. Uh, the no, third, I've heard good things. The third one's an okay movie for if you're going to watch it around Christmas time. It's not as good. Cat Williams is pretty funny in it. Um... But yeah, that second one's worth your time. Uh, I can't think. I can't find her name on here. I had it written down, but it's not important right now. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, uh, anyway, we have a uh, callback to the "I thought you were gay" because um, the hooker looks him up and down and basically tells him it's like, a, you know, never propositioned you because I just assumed that you weren't into what we offer <laughs> or what I offer rather. Um, and yeah, he's kind of like judgy, <laughs> like yeah. to be honest, it's kind of a dick move. Um, but you know, it, they get past that barrier and they share a drink and a little bit of a chat and he confesses to being in love with Ali Sheedy, but he doesn't mention her by name, but he does throw out the phrase like, like, do you know what it's like to be in love with somebody and, and not tell them? Kind of. so I mean, it's like, do the, do the fucking math. It's really simple. His body language when Alec is telling him he's cheating on her, like Alec is like very, very direct and looking at him and like like Andrew McCarthy's like looking away for the most part, like not making eye contact. So I, because I've seen the movie before, like I didn't really think that he was gay, but maybe on that first time, considering it was Joel Schumacher, I should have, I think I might've seen it as that. And it was just not being executed very well, but definitely rewatching him. Like I don't see it at all being communicated. I, I never suspected for a minute he was gay. Um, but what what's funny about that particular dialogue exchange is the fact that, like you said, from a body language standpoint, you get the sense that Judd Nelson, again, just like Joel Schumacher, doesn't understand how people work. Mm-hmm. Because what this person's body language is telling you right now is that they don't want to hear what you're telling them. Yeah. <laughs> They're not receptive to it. But pe- so maybe every time every time you cheat on your girlfriend, maybe stop telling this guy because yeah. he doesn't de- he doesn't derive enjoyment from it. Oh, I know plenty of people that don't get body language. Like that. I mean, maybe that's just how Jed Je- Nelson's character is. Like when you're like, yeah, uh huh. Like you, you know, when you're trying to walk away and someone's talking, to yeah, you? yeah, and they still do it. I've had people that I've known for a while that. Still do. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just tried to get away. Uh, Jeez. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to just, uh, w- once we get past this next part, the Billy and Wendy sequence is like fucking 20 minutes long, it feels like. And I really just want to <laughs> just, I just want to speed over that as best as possible. But, um, yeah, Anna Martin, uh, uh, Anna Martin Horsford, Horsford is, uh, is uh, Naomi. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, so Alec gets a call uh, while this is all happening. Or no, it was late. I think it was at nighttime. It's in the middle of the night that yeah. she calls him. Um, turns out that Jules is at the Van Buren Hotel. It's, I call it the uh, Jules' Van Buren Hotel predicament. Uh, <laughs> it's the Arab Coke party gangbang. Uh, she calls him frantic and clearly... Like she's doing some good coke acting here. I have to, I have to hand it to her. Uh, I read on IMDb that she was actually had to go to rehab either during the production of this or right before the production, uh, because she was actually, she actually did have a drug problem at the time, and she was having to play somebody that had a drug problem in this movie. Um, well, that might explain the voice then. Yeah. <laughs> so Jules calls Alex. Like, I need you to come pick me up. Uh, these Arab guys brought me up here and forced me to do a bunch of blow, which is fucking hilarious. They forced me to do a bunch of coke. Now they're all. I don't speak. I don't speak their language, but I think they're all gonna gangbang me. 
he he goes up there, storms in there. Um, I dug his outfit, by the way. It was very uh, it's it's not noticeable. It's just like something you throw on in the middle of the night. But it's like it's a nice, classy, just middle of the night kind of throwing something on sweater and jeans with a coat. I don't know why it worked for me. I'm like, I like this outfit. Um, it's a sensible outfit. He goes up there just. It's very uh, it's very young Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Batman yes, 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 yes. It's exactly <laughs> that. That's exactly what it is. Uh, I do like that outfit, minus his hair. Uh, in that oh, oh, oh that oh, hair yeah. is bad. I actually just rewatched that a couple uh, like last week. Um, oh, still great. The he comes in there just guns blazing. He's like, open the door. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> verbatim. Um, gets in there and this dude just surprisingly lets him in. Um, it's just four dudes sitting on a couch watching T- MTV. And um, Jules is like, yeah, uh, like it, it's not a situation at all. Like she calls frantic, but it's not a situation. And he's just like, yeah, let's uh, let's just get out of here, basically. I think she tries to get him to stay, ask him if he wants some coke. Yeah, uh, she she tries to like invite him back to her place, and he's like, no, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it seems like a very safe situation, and she does have a good snappy line here. It's like. He's like, let me drive you home. And she's like, and waste all this good coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she turns into a fucking gremlin out of nowhere. Turns into Sarah um, Michelle Geller and but, uh, Cruel Intentions. I want fucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, I, I, I wasn't counting, but um, it, it would be another game uh, to play on your next rewatch. The number of times uh, Judd Nelson mentions marriage or says the word marriage. Um, because as, as he's getting out of the car, Ali Sheedy is like complimenting him for his virtuosity yeah. I guess. and uh and she says i love you and he says marry me, marry me. <laughs> yeah it's up there with uh dying drinking uh dying to playing a drinking game to sphere every time jerry the name jerry is said you take a drink you will go blind yeah yeah you'll, you'll piss your pants and break up with your girlfriend <laughs> like you'll, you'll be blacked out dude <laughs> problems um yeah, so uh, Jewel sits on Alec, and they, you know, they they all go their separate way. Then I, I really, I don't want to spend much time here because it's it's painful to watch this sequence, but it is significant for the character, so I do want to touch on that. But Billy has been invited over to Wendy's house again. She's also a rich girl. Her dad is in the greeting card business, and they are the most vanilla white people I've ever seen. Uh, their house, like it looks like a museum like a, a a rich person's house that you would see that nobody lives in anymore like oh yes look at the look at the drapes they were uh crafted in the early 1900s it's borderline plantation house, it really is <laughs> i hate it. i hate that house like i when they're inside of it it stresses me out i'm like don't touch anything yeah, don't touch anything don't touch it uh he's basically communicating with her like hey yeah if you um it's like, if you get married, I'll buy you a convertible or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the deal was, but it's along those lines. Yeah, all, all you really need to know about this this very brief dinner party is that everyone seated at the table is, like, literally in bed with Wendy's family. Yeah. Um, like, everyone who buys into the family um, takes on a franchise of the dad, yeah. like the, the patriarch's uh, card, like, gift card business, I guess. Um, so everyone at the table is wealthy um, and is deeply connected with each other. Um, and it's pretty obvious that Billy and Wendy don't exactly fit in in this dynamic very well. I mean, just fucking look at him. He's Rob Lowe. He doesn't fit in anywhere because he's a different species. 
He's a much handsomer breed of human. <laughs> and he's drunk. He's and he is visibly drunk. drunk. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I had a buddy of mine uh, who ended up. He was going with his girlfriend at the time. They were going to go to his her grandmother's birthday, and he had a little bit to drink the night before, and he was pretty hungover. And that day, he decided after work before he went, they had you know a few hours to kill. He's like. I'm going to sit at the bar and just get the hair of the dog just to be feeling right. Well, one thing led to another, and when you're in your early 20s, sometimes it's hard to cut yourself off. Got pretty much blackout drunk again in the afternoon, and I'm like, you have to go to her grandmother's. Like, this is the kind of setting it was going to be. I'm like, you have to go. Oh, no. He's like, yeah, it'll be fine. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. And it was not (laughs) fine. Uh, He did not go, and not... Not because he didn't want to. Yeah, it was, uh, it was. I had a good laugh at him. I'm like, it was pretty messed up. But he is visibly drunk. And it, these people, if they heard NWAs straight out of Compton, I'm pretty sure they'd all have a heart attack. Uh, because these are like very, very proper uh, sheltered people. And Billy is, he's like a, like a, an alien to them, basically. But yeah, they they have a funny gag where um, Wendy tells him that her mom, when she says words that she is scared to or thinks are inappropriate, um, usually they're nothing racy or anything. She like talks like this, yeah. like she whispers it, and he, for fun, he starts doing that to her, to the mom. Mm-hmm. Like whenever he says something potentially inflammatory, he's like, shit. <laughs> 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 but it's cute. Some, uh, but this all culminates with him ending up on the roof. He gets on the roof for no reason. I actually start fast forwarding through this part. He gets on the roof. The kids start yelling. He's on the roof. The dad's like, "Why is he on the roof?" And then Wendy goes on the roof with him. And <laughs> you sound like Alan Arkin. <laughs> Why is he on the Why roof? Why is he on the roof? Uh, Get down from the roof. Wind- Get out of there. Wendy, what are you doing? <laughs> Wendy goes up on the roof with them. She's like, "What are you on the roof?" And he's like, "I'm drunk and stuff and so forth and so on." Uh, they go back inside. Um, he's about to take her v-card he's about to take her virginity and he starts giggling at her underwear basically really ruins the mood i'm um, glad she shut this off shut this down and then she dumps him right there which was really nice not before getting him some rent money uh so he's basically just been using um his good friend dating his friend uh to get money and now she's she's it's important because she's taking a stand and she's standing up for herself and telling him to fuck off. Yeah, and and to the credit of the people who made the film, um, this was something that was communicated to us very early, very early on. Yeah. From like the first scene, we have a moment in the in the bar where Jules is telling Wendy, like, "Why are you still with him? He's no good." And sure enough, within you know twenty thirty minutes or whatever, that that's resolved, yeah. kind of. Um, so it's like, huh, someone actually did something? Cool. I didn't know that was going to happen in this movie. Um, but yeah, it's funny. When I, when I think of him on the roof, I think it was like a Family Guy skit or something. Um, they had a an aside about that show Dharma and Greg, mm, I think. Yeah. And they have a visual representation of like 
what that show is in like a couple seconds and it's like her standing on a living room table or something he's like oh my god you're such a free spirit get down from that table (laughs) and i was like yeah that's rob Lowe on the roof (laughs) it's like oh my god you're just so quirky and whimsical you're on the roof nobody does that she uh i remember that episode she's dancing naked on the roof and a news helicopter goes by while her husband's inside i believe and he's like what she's up on the roof naked but i i do i do vividly remember that that episode um i didn't realize that was where the, i remember those scenes in family i've seen that like oh i'm just a free spirit because i'm cooking nude and yeah i thought something like yeah, that yeah i remember <clears throat> yeah so when he dumps him and he just you know whatever and leaves yeah he doesn't take the money though no he doesn't take and the money. uh he he walk he walks out the door then we get a fade to white ish yeah it's not it's not a complete fade it's like it's like somebody forgot a step or something. But then sax count Ooh, number two. Yeah. <laughs> and we are at Halloween at St. Elmo's. The place is popping, and Rob Lowe is sweaty as fuck. Bill, Billy Hicks and the New Breed are playing. Uh, yeah, this is the most pop. I mean, I've been out. Uh, I've been out in Seattle on Halloween before, and this is what Halloween is like in a major city for sure. It's fucking nuts. Um, but this bar are like worshiping Billy. By the way, this song that he's playing is like 10 minutes long. It's like the same song with like, he's he's like doing like the string cheese incident or like fish where it's like we have a 10 minute opening and then like 2 minutes of singing and then like 18 minutes of just solos basically. And it's just various instruments doing solos except it's just him playing the saxophone. I want to know is he really playing the saxophone in this or is this saxophone acting? Either way, it's impressive, I have to say. He puts his whole body into it. It's pretty impressive. I'm convinced. I I, I think... I'm 60-40 on this. 60% I think he's really playing the saxophone. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. Okay. I don't know if he's actually playing the notes, but he's probably blowing into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, just that. it's just that over and over and over. Um... We do get some uh, an interesting thing between Alec and Kevin where uh, he's like, so I was thinking maybe you should leave a key underneath your doormat. And he's like, why? He's like, I'm still banging that chick from the lingerie store. I'm like, dude, you you cannot, first of all, you cannot ask your friend who knows your girlfriend and or significant other, you cannot ask to bang people in their apartment behind that person's back because now you've got them in on it. Not cool. Also, yeah. you sh- gross. I'm also not going to let you do that. Are you going to clean the sheets afterwards? No. Are you going to put your own sheets down? Absolutely not. Whose bed are you going to do it in? Tr- Kirby's? Yeah, I wouldn't trust you anyway. Someone <laughs> needs to get laid in that bed for crying out loud. <laughs> um, but yeah, this begins... Um, this is like another like directorial flourish I noticed here in this movie is that I mentioned that we, we introduce a lot of scenes with like lengthy one takes um, and the camera kind of like glides through the scene. And we definitely do that here when we arrive at the party. And virtually every party scene in this movie, the opening shot of it kind of plays out the same way over and over and over again mm. to the point that it gets a little repetitive. Yeah. Um, but I can see why they do it because it does, it adds production values. Like it, it makes your movie look pretty fucking classy. Um, so basically we, the camera pushes through the environment um and then seamlessly we jump from one conversation to the next so all the characters all of our core cast of characters keep like basically it's just them gossiping yeah it's like this entire movie is gossip 
This movie is nothing but gossip and, and just like fucking juvenile horseshit. <laughs> oh, Wendy brings that boring dude uh, who was at dinner with her father, like at their family dinner, like crazy boring. Howie, Howie. They're all making fun of him too, which is really nice. Like, yes, that's good. Make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> Boo this man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we get some drama. We get more drama because that's all this movie is, is drama and gossip. And uh, we learn that Demi Moore is... F- fucking her boss yes um to to stay afloat financially i guess um and yeah judd is still fucking the sales girl some more drama 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 um and uh wendy gets upset because demi more just like this is where she does that scene that you 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 mentioned at the very top of the the recording is she kind of like straddles the jukebox she's fucking the jukebox yeah, she is fucking a jukebox, She's and the uh, jukebox. then she bends over and uh, Rob Lowe smooches her. Oh, it's a, and it's a, it's like tongue fucking. No, th- like. this is this isn't an innocent kiss. This is like a smooch. Like, yeah, and uh, yeah, we get a close up of Wendy looking a little bit upset about that. Um, to me, more doesn't seem to care. He's reading the crowd. He's 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 feeling the crowd, man. That's just crowd work. It's fine. As the sax well, player, it's well, his job. Well, speaking of the crowd, yeah. Kyle, there is a moment that yeah. there's an escalation that happens here. That again, I don't think Joel Schumacher knows how real life works. Yeah. But for the purposes of heightening the drama in this movie, I thought this was hilarious. The saxophone <laughs> in the face with the sweat. No. <laughs> no, when his wife shows up. Oh, when the bar shuts down. I yeah. literally wrote down this the, bar shut down. Like it's well, yeah. Well, just how how so the entire band is playing, and like you said, this is a, a lengthy set. It's it's a fucking band. Yeah, he's only a com- he's only a component of it. Yeah, they're still and go for it. So his wife and a dude show up, yeah. and he sees them, and he like points into the crowd and just shouts, not on the microphone, just shouts like "Stop touching my wife!" and the music. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> it's like it's like that doesn't work in real life. Everybody but stops. The, yeah. Yeah. For the purposes of the movie, though, I thought that was hilarious. It's like this is like Mike Dexter trying to get back Amanda at the end of Can't Hardly Wait. Like the entire party just stops to see what's happening. Uh, it gets physical quick. Like he he starts punching quick. Uh, this whole sequence is great. Uh, Rob Lowe is vicious to this this girl. Like she's young as hell. Like. You little bitch! Like don't don't have fucking boys. Have them fucking neutered. Like, dude, just just calm down a little bit. Uh, yeah, fight and then uh, meanwhile while they're fighting, uh, Farmer Fran fires Billy and the band. You're fired. Y'all fired. <laughs> I thought he fired Emilio Estevez the first time I watched. I'm like, why would you fire Emilio Estevez? Oh, uh, I forgot he, to mention. He mentions that he fires him like every week. Yeah, didn't I fire you this week already? <laughs> the skill, though. Uh, he uh, he. At one point, I believe Kirby decides to go to med school. Uh, yeah, this is, I think, this isn't where he 100% commits to making a lot of money, but this is, yeah, he, he, there is, like, him paying lip service to that. Just, but, it, again, we don't see any of a, that. He just says it. It's in passing. It's, like, real quick. And I think it was before this. I didn't write it down. I just kept it in the back of my head. Um but yeah, I mean, it's stupid, but I hate to say it, it does actually play into the themes of the movie a little bit. Yeah, where it's like this is about people finding themselves and you know making dumb snap decisions like that. I like how uh, his infatuation is driving his career choices. However, his infatuation is stalking. So if it had stayed at like I just I want to impress this girl so bad that I'm just going to keep changing to you know fit what she likes, it's fine. But it's not done very well. 
Uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, they, they fire the band. Then they start making out, and he's bloody, which is a huge, uh, from like, oh, God, that's so gross. He's, yeah, oof. yeah, Billy gets the, he gets a little bit beat up, um, but it all culminates with him making out with his wife, and I guess that dude just went home or something. Um, and then we get a happy Halloween from Emilio and Judd sharing a laugh. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, some stuff happens. Uh, Andrew McCarthy visits uh, Naomi the hooker again. It, nothing really happens. They just see each other. There's again. one nice line I really like. She's like, she's like, oh, you think you don't get a wife or a girlfriend? You don't pay. She's like, I don't pay for sex. She's like, with Naomi, you pay, you get it. I'm like, I believe her. <laughs> her sexual, <laughs> her sexual chemistry with him. I'm like, I believe her. I think you will get it from Naomi. Yeah, I feel like. From a writing standpoint, uh, maybe maybe the writers had an affinity for that character Naomi, mm-hmm. um, because because the way that line is delivered, um, it it is like a, a head scratcher where it's like, huh, you know, you're not entirely wrong because basically Naomi is reasoning that it's like, if you if you like get married to someone or if you put all your eggs in one basket with one person, it's a gamble to some extent. Like you can't you don't know what you're gonna get a hundred percent. Whereas if you pay fifty bucks up front or whatever, oh, you're going. It's get like it. <laughs> it may not be permanent or whatever, but you know exactly what you're getting and you will get it. <laughs> so it's like it's like maybe like I don't know, tossing it to the audience and saying like, oh, maybe you should think on that. Yeah. It's like it's like no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Maybe for someone else. Uh, Wendy and Jules uh, stage an intervention at a soup kitchen for some fucking reason. Uh, they're using uh, high school lunch trays, which was giving me anxiety seeing these trays, by the way. I'm like, oh, that's really taking me back. I'm like, that's... I don't like to remember grade school. It's not, a, it's not a fun time for a lot of us. And I'm like, these trays are really <laughs> triggering me here. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm getting angry and scared at the same time. I'm like, Why, what's happening? I'm like, oh, I'm remembering puberty. Uh, it sucks. So Kyle can sit through all of Cannibal Holocaust and cheer, but then yeah. you, you get to the, the soup kitchen scene in oh, <laughs> St. Elmo's Fire, and he and he has to take a walk around the block. I was squirming. <laughs> I was I had to pause a couple times in Cannibal Holocaust. I had to pause a couple times in Green, in, uh, green Room. I'm like, whew, I got I to gotta take a break here for a second. This is intense. Got the vapors. Yeah, we, yeah, we find out uh, about Jules' uh, financial problems. Our friends are wise to it. They're like, listen, it's not healthy for you um, – is Alec the only one that knows about her her doing coke, uh, or are they uh, all pretty? I don't think. I I think they all. Okay. Know. Well, they're like, yeah, you you're blowing all this money, you're you're banging the boss, like you're the boss of the bank, like it's not it's not good. I'm like, these are good friends, but this is a bad place to be doing it. And I think you need the rest of the cohort to to you know confront her about it. She doesn't take con- like she's she's not mad. She's just like, anyway, I gotta go. Uh, I'm not gonna be dealing <laughs> with this shit. Well, what's funny is that that whole sequence was actually supposed to be about um, Wendy. Wendy. Yeah, like, like like we went to visit her because we were trying to you know check in on her, but then somehow we spiral off and start you know pointing the finger at Jules. And it's like oh okay, <laughs> like, just shows shows how much uh, how much we care about Wendy in this in this story because it's like oh. hmm. <laughs> we get a, we get a, uh, a little. I don't like this sequence in in this movie necessarily, but because it's almost from a different movie. But we have like Leslie and Wendy, the most sensible members of the group, uh, having a conversation, and she's like, "Yeah, Leslie just is nervous about marrying Alec, but she doesn't say why." 
and we're kind of unsure why. Like, yeah, we get he's a tool, but like he seems like a good. I mean, aside from the cheating, he seems like a decent guy, like marriable. Like she doesn't know about the cheating. We as the viewers do, but from her point mm. of view, it's like he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy. I don't know why she's on the fence about it. Um, but it's because we have not been communicated. Like what's happening? Like she, how does she know what's happening? Yeah, the there's unfortunately a lot of that in this movie, but I did really like the shot along the creek of it's, her yeah. and a her and Ali Sheedy like walking along each other, alongside each other. It was that was nice. Yeah. Um, but then uh, we we get a a bit of comedic editing here where we're we're talking about Billy and Wendy's like you can tell it's written all over her face that she's still thinking about him. She's asking about him, and then we cut to Billy. Yeah. And he is in a he is in an indoor hot tub. And then who should walk through the door but a guy who I had to look up. I didn't know his name, but I knew his face 100%. Um, this is an actor by the name of Mario Machado. Um, he is the OCP news anchor from RoboCop. Oh, you've seen and, that one more than I have. I've only seen it like um, two times. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he was in at least RoboCop 1, one and 3. Um, but he... He's essentially a perfect news anchor. Like yeah. he has, he has the delivery, he has the cadence, and he's a handsome fella. And uh, funny enough, on closer inspection, apparently he's a Seattleite. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's kind of cool. But yeah, I saw him and I was like, "Holy shit! I know that guy!" <laughs> and he had no lines in the scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, Billy is presumably fired. <laughs> I thought you were going back <laughs> till Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to yeah like sorry dude I, I, what the fuck is going on in here <laughs> <laughs> most unorthodox <laughs> remember the but um, remember the butler in wolf of wall street he's like there's a gay orgy going on in jordan's apartment he's like i thought you were coming back on sunday he's like what the fuck is going on in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember that. trying to save face like oh I think you pretty much think you know what's happening next, bud. The timing on that was pretty great. <laughs> Kirby is about to go off the fucking rails uh, crazy uh, moving forward. Yeah, th- this is this is an example of one of those scenes that you see this on YouTube every once in a while where they take a famous scene in film history and um, put a different piece of music over yeah. it. And it completely changes the emotional intensity of it. And this one, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is Kirby in the rain. In the rain, <laughs> and uh, he's following a red car through downtown on a bike. It, it, like I said, this character is written to be thirteen years old. This is like yeah. this is like blank check. We for- this is like a child pursuing an adult woman. We forgot to mention his almost lunch with Andy McDowell. She comes to the restaurant and he makes a joke. She's like. So apparently he went on like one date with her and he makes a joke. She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, Annie Hall, the movie we saw together. She's like, oh, yeah. And then immediately she gets a phone call. She's a, she's an, uh, a resident, uh, so she's has to go right back to work. And he's like, well, fuck. So now he's following her like a crazy well, person. I'm, I'm glad you – I wanted to call back to that. I wasn't sure when we were going to do that. But um, I'm glad you brought that up because the way that scene plays out, um, credit to the filmmaker – the way that scene plays out, uh, that's supposed to be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like, like in a in an actual relationship, or not even a relationship, just yeah. like two people meeting each other. That's supposed to be the end of the exchange. It's like if something goes that badly, and you have that awkward moment where, obviously, they mean that much more to you than they than you mean to them. Yeah, that's that's it. Like you had your shot. Now you got to walk away. Um. But yeah, no, that's not the end of it. <laughs> In fact, we get another hour of this shit. Um, so he follows her 
on a bike in the pouring fucking rain and the music like i said um you could put like fucking yeah over this and it would fit perfectly um but instead no we get this like triumphant swelling of of like romantic music Mm. and uh, i think this is the love theme that you alluded to earlier um and she goes into this upscale party and he is peering in through the window in the rain (laughs) yeah and then i (laughs) forgot i forgot about this scene because next we get like a john carpenter like from first person, Michael going to kill his sister upstairs, him walking through the party like a crazy person. Uh, I don't know what he's... Complete with heavy breathing. Yeah. <laughs> like, he walks in. I would it's like, someone needs to put his hand, their hand on his chest, like, sir, what do you... Do you have... A, this one guy's like, do you have an invitation? Uh, like, no, of course he doesn't. Uh, I don't know what he says, if he says anything here, but she leaves with him. Uh, she says, Kirby, are you all right? And he says, I'm obsessed. Thank you very much. I mean... And then cut to her her bringing him home. What the fuck is wrong with her? Yeah. It's insane. Like, no. She's... I mean, look at her, Kyle. She's she's nice. Yes. She's too She's nice. very sweet. That, like, her character is oblivious to how crazy this person... Oblivious to how crazy he is. And she's very mm. sweet. Like, she's just very, very polite and nice to him. Um, she plays that well. She does that well. Um, yeah, I mean that's basically her only tool, as far as I know, as an actress. She plays very sweet. You know who you would think could do that, but is also really good at playing other characters is Mary Steen. Uh, uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Um, Step Brothers, the mom from Step Brothers, Mary Steen. Oh, Bird- uh, uh, I don't know her name, but Back to the Future Three lady. Yes, yes, yeah, she. Yeah, I, she she does that well. She can be really sweet, but she can also like I've seen her in a couple roles. Like, damn, she's kind of mean. <laughs> <laughs> she her face and her hair make me think of a lot of school teachers mm-hmm. like a lot of like grade school teachers i had um she has that demeanor but yeah she she brings kirby home and she starts listing off reasons not to be obsessed with her all of which seem fairly valid basically she's trying to hammer home the point that she's a person she's not she's not this Pretty. pillar of perfection that he's projecting onto her yeah. it's like no she's a flawed human being and fuck, she walked out on him on like their first date because she was busy. And it's like obviously she has a lot on her plate. Um, we do get a, a funny comedic beat where her roommate comes in. She's like, Oh, like even my roommate doesn't like me and the roommate just gets her own isolated camera shot and she just looks directly at Kirby and says, Yeah, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we get a super duper creepy moment where uh, he smells a pillow oh yeah does the roommate uh, see and it the roommate too? happens to witness this <laughs> jesus dude mm. yeah yeah like i said he, he is written to be a child because this entire conversation feels like that it feels like an adult woman telling like a, a young boy like this isn't how things work yeah. kind of because she did she does so with a very soft touch um but then we cut to rob lowe uh, revisiting his frat um, he did mention when he was on the roof that he does miss school, mm-hmm. so it makes sense for him to go back at some point physically. So, two, um, not just psychologically. Two things. Yeah, I think he mentioned something about about getting a job on campus. It might have been before this, or yeah, it's they they play football. He goes to his frat. They play some football, and then he asks if he can have a job on campus. And it seems for a moment that things are looking up because the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we need someone to get us drugs. (laughs) Did you notice the leaves that were on fire behind him? 
I don't know why that was. I don't know. So I, I was going through like this. So he walks up to the frat. They play football. He learns that they don't value him at all. They just need somebody who can get drugs. And then he goes over to where his wife and kid are. So I think he was on a walk with his wife and kid through the campus, went to the frat, and then started playing football with them. And then went back over to her. Yeah. Yeah, he ditched his wife and kid to go play football. And his mullet, <laughs> his mullet wife, I like to call her. Um, oh yeah, she she uh, she has an interesting look to her. It's like it's like she wants very badly to be Bridget Fonda, but she's not Bridget. Yeah, Fonda. she's like a white trash <laughs> Bridget Fonda. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And that I'm not to be that guy, but this baby is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I had to write it twice in my notes, and the kid's only in two shots. <laughs> like, Rob, oh, yeah. d- despite having the genetic gift of of Rob Lowe's. Yeah. Of Rob Lowe, he that's an ugly baby. I'm sorry. Uh, the uh, he has one of my one of the better lines of the film. Don't give up on me. Uh, I guess he's trying to rekindle things with his wife. I'm like, well, that's bad. And then his other one, where he, when someone says a line, and you have that pause, and you're just everyone starts laughing at them for saying it. His no more drinking, no more women. He has to say that to his wife, by the way. <laughs> no more drinking, no more women. Like, good lord, dude. Guys like that don't change, you know? Especially at this age. Especially when they're 19-year-old Rob Lowe. <laughs> yeah, he's got options, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so K- Kirby took from that conversation he had with uh, Dale Bieberman uh, that she wants a rich guy. He's like, you want a rich guy. You want somebody who has money. Because she just mentions in passing that uh, something about fi- she wants to be financially stable, which is why she's... Well, all- no, it's it's even less than that. What guy. was it? All she said, all she says is like she's a doctor. Yeah. Um, and she says like, oh, I got into this, I got into this business because I want to help people, but now I get the sense that it's all about making money. Yeah. And somehow he takes from that. I don't know what fucking mental math gymnastics he had to do to 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 make this equation work. He did not um, stick the but landing. Yeah, he no. decides. Oh, I need to make money to make her like me. Yeah. So he drops out of. I'm. I guess he took the MCATs and was in medical school, or at least was trying to go to medical school. So he's, we're going to say that he took the LSAT, was in law school, dropped out, took the MCATs, is about to try to go to medical school, is dropping out of that. He's just going to work for a rich dude. He's going to be a student of life. Uh, that's what he's going to be, as a rich dude's assistant. Um, yeah. Mr. What's the? Mario Machado is the actor and the the man, the character is Doc, is Mr. Kim. Yeah, Mr. Basically. Kim. Just call him Mr. Kim. I don't remember the whole name, but it's Mr. Kim. Um, so basically, Emilio picked up where uh, Rob Lowe left off. Um, and he's saying all the right things in the interview. Basically, like, I, I, need you, I need you to handle my shit. I need you to keep a lid on it, and, like, about my public affairs and whatnot. And he says all the right things and cut immediately to him abusing his position. Immediately. And forcing... Forcing Mr. Kim's driver to open the door for him, like it's a, it's like a town car or something, and he times it so the driver will open the door for him, and he sees in the back, by the way, mm-hmm. um, to when Dale Bieberman is walking right by him. So I guess he was just hanging out in the hospital parking lot for the whole day or something. Yeah. Jesus, dude, you got to take a hit, dude. <laughs> she has forgotten who you are every time she's reintroduced to you. She's like, oh, Kirby. Like, she has to give two ki- K- Kirby. Yes, Kirby. I remember you now. You were in my apartment a week ago. <laughs> You're really <Yeah>. forgettable. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, and he invites her to a party. 
um, which obviously is just a ploy to, you know, get her to hang out with him. Um, and, you know, the driver has some snarky comments here, but uh, we cut immediately to the party. So it's it's one of those situations where it's like, if this was a monster movie, this is not how you structure your monster movie. You don't say, oh, you better watch out for that monster. And then, like, next scene, oh, my God, it's the monster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, attention, release. It's a, there's a process here. There's a flow to the editing. But, yeah, we cut to the party. It's at Mr. Kim's gigantic house. It's a mansion, apparently. I mean, they're partying like it's graduation um, night. Like, it's... It's irresponsible uh, what they're doing Very to this man's so. house. Absolutely, um, most unorthodox. Yes. but uh, our core cast of characters all assemble at the party. Andrew McCarthy has a terrible line here. College is like a four-year delusion, so you don't have to deal with reality. It's like Jesus. Uh, college is just th- <laughs> college is uh, people teaching you critical thinking for four years, teaching you how to critically think. That way, employers can see. Oh, they were given the opportunity to try to learn critical thinking. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Either way, they have student loan debt. We can pay them $10 an hour. <laughs> That's what college is. <laughs> thank you, Kyle. There you go. Thank you, for, thank you for explaining that to the kids in the audience or any of the prospective college attendees. Was that, was that a good enough Andrew McCarthy impression? Because that's exactly what we, Yeah. Ugh. It's pretty good, except you needed to sound more annoying. The word, the words were there, like the words were perfect. It's just the delivery needs some work. Yeah, you're, you're. I'm sorry, Kyle. You're just not that big of an ass. Sorry. <laughs> I'll try harder. Um, but yeah, uh, Billy meets a uh, Wendy's guy, Howie, um, who is a husky gentleman with glasses. We met him a couple times already, but um, and uh, Judd and Judd Nelson and Rob Lowe get a bit snippy here because you know. Oh my God! Rob Lowe can't hold down a job. It's almost like he sucks at this or something. Um, it's like he's unemployable. Yeah, ne- <laughs> honestly, it's like fucking figure it out. <laughs> Jules and Billy are doing coke. They're like they're they're doing coke at this party. Like she's fucking oh, yeah. f- flying. Like she is. She's high as fuck. Yeah, she's zip zop zippity bop. Um, and yeah, the introduction of this party is another one. Is another. Uh, nifty long take uh, where we're weaving in and out of all these different conversations uh, again the, the choreography of that I, I have to applaud it's kind of cool there is like, one, bouncing from them coming down the stair i would say they come down the stairs i actually caught this they're like coming down the stairs and then it just cuts to exactly they start like start talking to somebody mm-hmm. it's really good yeah i agree no it, it's a well-constructed sequence yeah. in a terribly constructed film um, but yeah, uh, we cut to Wendy and Billy uh, outside. So the party, they're away from the party. Yeah. And we have a really strange exchange here <laughs> where she's like saying all the right things to him, all the things that he probably needs to hear. And in fact, by the time we get to the end of the movie, everything she's telling him right now is what she re- reiterates. Um, I guess it just wasn't the right time. Yeah. Uh, mostly she just like compliments him on his saxophone playing and hints that it's like, you know... You suck at everything, but you have this one thing that like you you're pretty good at. Maybe you should lean on that. Yeah. And then uh, he takes from that, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's good advice." Are you still a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back to the uh, back to the um, ambushing somebody about their sexual orientation. That's another one. None of your business. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So what kind of panties you wear? No. It's so inappropriate. And she tells him like it's none of your business. Yeah, like she she throws it back at she, him. Yeah, no, that's that's the only response to that question. <laughs> to be honest, business. 
Um, then cut to Emilio, Kyle, and oh my Dude. God, he is intense. He is a ball of fury. So he's mad because she hasn't shown up to the party. He threw the party for her like fucking Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother. He <laughs> uh, he goes to uh, her apartment and threatens her neighbor. He's like, why are you yelling? And she's like, quiet. He's like, I'll, he basically threatens to hurt this woman if she doesn't shut up. Uh, but somehow he gets it out of her that she's at... Uh, oh, she he ends up calling the hospital. That's how he finds out about where she's actually at. Yeah, so he is having this tirade. And on the other line, on the other end of the line, is somebody working at a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> where is she? <laughs> Ain't nobody oh. got time. Yeah. Where is she? She's seriously having a where is she. <laughs> uh, but I think before we do that, we actually find out about... Uh, so this happened in a movie, a couple, a couple movies I've seen uh, where... We announce an engagement before there's even an engagement. And I don't know how... I don't think that happens in real life. I think it was exclusively a movie thing. And it was an 80s movie thing. Um, but Leslie and Alec, like, Alec just like shuts down the party. And it's just like... He doesn't even propose. He just says, we're getting married. He says that it's, it's just going to happen. And yeah. she's clearly uncomfortable and has not had this conversation with him. And this is where she... Like pulls him aside and tells him what's up. Yeah, uh, the the line that she throws at him to begin things is, um, and this is her hesitating when it comes to getting married is, uh, I have to have something for myself before I share it with you. And this is where her Ali Sheediness is starting to peer through, where it's like she looks a little crazy right yeah. now. Yeah, like she's supposed to be like emotionally distraught, like she's supposed to look d- upset. Yeah, but she looks intense, like yeah. scary. Um. And they go back and forth a bit, but long story short, um, she makes it known that she knows he's been cheating. Yeah. And his initial reaction is he just pauses and his eyes go wide and he's like, what did Kevin tell you? Ooh, yeah. And then he storms off out to the party. And by the way, um, when the music cuts, it's Kevin who does it for him. Mm. So Kevin was the one who set the ball and he spiked yeah. it. So it's like, you know, Kevin's all right guy, I guess. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, and yeah, he storms out to the dance floor and he assaults Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> what did you tell her? It's like, it's like shit. She's like, he didn't tell me. It was just a hunch. I'm like, well, you never, you never even mentioned anything like that. The character never mentions anything like that. So how the fuck does she know? His demeanor doesn't change when he's around her, from what I can gather. He's still the same dude. I yeah. But I guess if it's been going on for years, maybe we just haven't seen how he. I, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, how she knows? Uh, uh, you know. I don't know. It it really doesn't. There's no breadcrumbs laid laid down to have have their that character be suspicious of that. In fact, her character is really hazy at best. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of development, her like screen time to like character development ratio is all thrown the fuck off it's because non-existent. you get the sense that in terms of like importance to the story, she's critical. But in terms of like her development, like feels like you you know nothing about her like i was under the impression based on the way she's dressed like like you said layers mm. like she's dressed like she's from like 1800 or yeah. something <laughs> um, well i guess like i i got the sense that i maybe she was supposed to be like the innocent person like she was like the the sheltered person but then wendy kind of shares that role um and then that ends up being not true at all well she doesn't have a job from what i can gather she's an artist 
I think is yeah. what her thing is. And I think maybe maybe her identity is wrapped up in him. Like she's like she was really Well, that's what that yeah. that's what that line to him in the kitchen was about. It's like I need to have something for myself. So maybe maybe her development is that she hasn't had it yet. <laughs> like the, that was the reaction she had. She's like he wants to be a republic. That was where she gets the weird acting. She's like he wants to be a republican. Oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? It's like mm-hmm. uh I don't know. Have your own live your life. Yeah, live your life. It, some of yeah, us have Republicans in our living in your gigantic fucking loft. Some of us have Republicans in our life. It just happens. <laughs> <laughs> life goes on. Right, life goes on. <laughs> they vote, you vote, and you, you, you hang out, you know? Um, yeah, uh, I have Jesus, dude, Jesus Kirby on my notes several times. I'm like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> we get to another Jesus. What are you thinking? We get. I call this the post-coital snow cabin stalking. He, like mm-hmm. an insane person, if you haven't figured it out yet, he drives, he finds out she's at a cabin with some other dude. Uh, he drives at this cabin to confront her about why she didn't come to his party. Uh, I think this guy had legal grounds to shoot him as soon as he stepped foot on that property. I'm going to throw that out there. I don't know what state, I guess this, this is up, up north a little bit further, I'm guessing. Uh, also, this seems like a dangerous time to be driving, especially in his car, because it's not a, an all-wheel drive or like a, a, an all-terrain vehicle or anything like that. It's yeah, and also like Georgetown, like the St. Elmo's fire location of choice. Um, there is nary a drop of snow to be seen, so I don't know how far he went, but yeah. it seems like a reasonable distance. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, he pounds on the door and he screams for Dale Beaverman and. Uh, curly-haired man answers the door <laughs> basically naked wrapped oh in a they 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 had sex they definitely had oh sex. They, yeah like or maybe they're in the middle of it or something because this guy is not happy uh his hair is tousled and and uh yeah he they did some he, nasty he, shit he, if you have to go to a cabin like we got to go to a cabin to do what i want to do <laughs> we can't have anybody anybody person in or anybody calling the cops like uh, we're gonna get fucking nasty <sighs> Doctor Sex. Oh. <laughs> it's anatomical. Um, yeah, she- <laughs> Dale Dale comes to the door and instead of doing the thing that most people would do and you know say get the fuck out of here, um, she invites him in because it's cold and he's got nowhere to go. Um, he acts like a petulant child and tries to get in the car and drive off. But oh hey, guess what? His car is trapped in the snow. And even the guy at this point is saying like, give it up, buddy. Like just. Come inside. Like it, the guy, to his credit, is very nice. Very sweet. Very They're both kind. very sweet. He's very patient. Well, also, yeah, and they they both invite him. I mean, toe to toe, both of them could fuck him up. Like I would take Andy McDowell in a fight with Amelia West of Esme. Yeah, she's gonna knock him out. This dude would dude she, knock his teeth out. Dude, she got like six inches of reach on him. <laughs> <laughs> if she he has, wouldn't even get in. If she, he wouldn't even get in there. If she <laughs> has, if, if she's got a strong wrist and any hip power whatsoever, she's gonna lay him out. I've got my money on her, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we cut away from that scene. But uh, immediately before that, actually, is where we get the uh, really heated exchange between Rob Lowe and Demi Moore. Oh, no, this um, is the sexual assault. This is what... Yeah, yeah. Th- this this is... He he, very much could go for jail. Go to jail. He should. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely should. Because, yeah, he says he says some pretty awful things here and does some pretty awful it's things. It's really bad, here. yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, he basically Demi Moore needs somebody to confide in. Like she needs a friend. And she's like, yeah. Like I think all the bars are closed. Like let's go back to your place. She's like, okay, yeah. She just wants to talk. He tries to he like tries to grope her basically, and it's really uncomfortable. And she tells him to fuck off, and he's still kind of like going after it. And it was it was really unfortunate. He gets out of the car, and she's like, she tells him like you broke like you're breaking my heart. Like you broke my heart. Like that's this is unacceptable behavior. Yeah, we're. I mean, he says some really awful it's things, bad. but where it gets where it gets creepy is that he took her keys yeah. and put them down his pants, and she has to like wrestle him in the snow, or yeah, she has to like kick him out of the car and like wrestle him on the floor. And what what takes this like uncomfortable scene and makes it hilarious though is the fact that after she speeds off in tears, he's standing there watching the car go off, and in the background, <laughs> his wife and child <laughs> are standing on the porch it's like watching this. It's like an it's always sunny in Philadelphia moment. Like they've been having this whole conversation that you don't realize that this inappropriate, awkward conversation is happening right in front of somebody who's been watching the whole time. It's this, yeah, it's like no more drinking, no more women. Dude, he couldn't last seventy-two <laughs> hours. Like it was almost immediately afterwards. I think he left the park to go to that party. <laughs> It's like the Seinfeld bit where Kramer like <laughs> walks away from the bit and 20 minutes later, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's that naked woman in the window. Couldn't help myself. Uh, <laughs> can we get to the worst sequence of the film? Uh, almost the worst sequence of the film, but Leslie and Kevin hanging out together. Please. Yeah, they come in. He's probably spewing some bullshit. Blah, 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 blah. Like, she's basically confiding in him. Like, she's mad at Alec. They're hanging out, talking about it afterwards. He offers her booze. Does he offer her a drink, I think? Alcohol? He offers her everything under the sun. Okay. So, he has... <laughs> he's, he's like an excited puppy with, with oh, their toys. It's creepy. It's like, run. Yeah, it's creepy. Uh, <laughs> he, has his emo- he has his friend's girlfriend, who he's also friends with, um, who's emotionally vulnerable right now because she's just found out for a fact that her boyfriend has uh, been cheating on her. So he decides to go ahead and liquor her up, not before she finds an entire tin of photos of her. So the entire time, everyone thinks that she that he's gay for Alec. Uh, come to find out, he's madly in love with uh, Ali Sheedy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying... I'm not saying she's... Like, ugly or anything, but, like, like head over heels in love. Like, Demi Moore, that I get. If you were, like, head over heels in love with Jules, I can understand that. Ali or she- Dale Bieberman. Or Dale Bieberman. But- yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Ali no, I mean, But in Ali Sheedy's case, the I think the big problem, like, what you're what you're seeing here is as the problem is that it's not that she's, like, frumpy or anything. She's no. absolutely not. She's, she's a very beautiful woman in a lot of ways. But, um... The problem is that she's ill-defined. She <laughs> like, also, they also, as a person, it's like we, the viewer, have no fucking clue what makes her special. They also have the exact same haircut. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. But yeah, um, he basically is just pouring liquor down her throat. I met like not literally, but <laughs> figuratively. He's he's serving her drinks. She's getting pretty drunk. Many drinks. Yeah, she, it, she she's she's getting pretty drunk, but. Um, I did like how this scene opens. Um, say what you will about how it's scripted, but the again, cinematography and the editing, it's another one of those long takes where we come into the apartment and the camera's locked down and uh, both the actors are just kind of like wandering around the room and the way it's blocked, it, it feels kind of genuine where it's like, I'm sure you've been in those situations where it's like you're still in that like get to know you phase mm-hmm. of like a relationship or something. 
and it's like oh so this is my place and like everybody's making these weird innocuous comments about things they see where it's like oh like look at that and like oh it's like it's like weather chat basically (laughs) so it's like basically you're just you're just pussyfooting around like what needs to actually come out like the actual conversation that we all know needs to happen um but instead we gotta get boozed up before we do that (laughs) Uh, which is not a tool i've ever had in my kit so (laughs) um but yeah uh we get this weird shot Uh, the composition of it is very strange because she's thoroughly drunk by now Mm -hmm. and she's like seated on his bed like looking up at him and he's standing in the foreground, and he's actually blocking two-thirds of the frame. Mm-hmm. So we just get this blob of black and her very small in the corner looking up at him. And it goes on for a good solid minute of her just, like, spilling her guts about how depressed she is about her falling out with Alec. Do you remember what he does? She's like, oh, do you have, like, a thing for me? And he comes up to her and pours her glass, and he does, like, a... <sighs> he does that stupid fucking smile. He does that a lot in this movie. He has that. He has that. He has those weird cheeks yeah. where it's like they they flatten out into nothing, but oh. then they like poof out and like his lips are. He has really thin bird lips. lips yeah, he, yeah. He's a weird face. Yeah. He, he uses it well as an actor, but this character is just awful. Punchable. Yeah. Um, Very. <laughs> yeah. He gets his emotionally vulnerable girl uh, friend's girlfriend drunk and confesses his love to her. Uh, and then this is possibly the worst love, the worst sex scene I've seen since Public Enemies. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. I've seen some doozies. Um, this is fucking stupid. This is another one of those ones. Like, do you know how people have sex? This is not how people have sex. Like again, I don't think Joel Schumacher knows how people work. Like nobody has giggles, like laughing giggle sex the whole time. Sw- I in my notes I described it as sweaty goofy sex. It's not uh, on a coffin. I like it would have been better if it was like like it giggled at first but then it gets like really passionate. It doesn't. Like even when he's ta- like she like turns around like hit it from behind, dude, and <laughs> she's like giggling like, like no 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 no. This is not this is not the tone, man. It's fucking annoying. They wreck everything like they knock over everything. Isn't it so funny how clumsy we are about this? <laughs> again it calls back to that dharma and greg thing I guess. <laughs> or oh, what was it? i can't remember it was um oh it's king of the hill where uh hank hill tries to like reignite the the flame like spark things up again um with his wife by bringing home like a baby pig he's like oh look at it, it's a baby pig it's like it's it's crazy <laughs> how's that supposed to sp- spice up the it, that's her reaction is like what what is this <laughs> This does nothing for me. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we get sw- sweaty, goofy sex on a coffin. Oh, by the way, he assaults her face. Um, like, he explodes into her <laughs> um, after after he confesses her love. Yeah. They do that thing where, like, he, like, he's low to the ground and he, like, inches a little bit. He, like, jukes her a little bit. Yeah. And then he pounces. <laughs> <laughs> like, he psychs her out first. Um, but yeah, we, we fuck on a coffin. We fuck in a shower. Everything gets broken. And then cut to the morning, and uh, drunk Judd Nelson shows up. Yeah, this is. By a the way, he he Kramer's his way into the apartment. <laughs> Everybody so. does. He, he and Rob Lowe both Everybody. themselves in there. But by, by the way, Kyle, another thing. So I asked you about uh, kissing lady friends on the mouth. Yeah. That that's not a thing you no, or I do. No. Yeah. Um. How how many times do you like invite yourself into other people's homes or or visit them, not on their lunch break at work? 
oh, you mean at fucking six o'clock in the morning when this scene is taking place? Yeah, I don't, I've, I never do that. That doesn't happen. Joel Schumacher, you are a strange fella. <laughs> it, yeah. Your understanding of human interaction is a little different, I think. Yeah, this is a real, uh, this is a real stick in the wheel here. Like, they're, like, post-coital from all night, basically. Uh, and then Alex just bursts in, and he's been drinking all night, clearly. Like, he just hasn't gone to sleep yet. And he's just like, I gotta learn to be good. Like, I need to get her back, man. It somehow, like, this is resonating with her. Like, she's just like, oh, this is really sweet. He's been, you know, serial banging uh, these women for years, I guess. But, yeah, this is really sweet. He wants to get me back. Um, but, yeah, I guess he gets wise that uh, Andrew McCarthy has a girl in there. And he, like, wants to see her. But I do like I do like Chad Nelson's face when this happens, where she presents herself and he smiles and he just like a dog when they see something in the field and it's like, and he doesn't. It's crazy. Like he does not ta- he does not blink and he does not take his eyes off of her. Oh, the betrayal! Oh, the audacity! <laughs> drama, drama. Ugh. Um, but yeah, uh, he is very upset and like the beginning of the scene feels like like an open door farce. Like it, it starts out interesting and then it just gets really plain and dull when she comes out of the bedroom and stuff. And it's like, I'm sorry, as, as charming as Judd Nelson can be, sometimes um, he doesn't really sell it in the scene. Um, but yeah, uh, then we cut to Mario Machado. Uh, he he gets a second instance of, <laughs> what the fuck is going on in here? <laughs> um, and the his house is in shambles. And he's looking for Emilio, who, of course, is not there, because guess what? He is in the mountains. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is now morning, and Dale Bieberman's uh, curly-haired dude has gotten his car running, and he's encouraging Emilio to... He's like, you should leave now. Yeah. It now Now's the time. It's like, wow, he is giving you so much leeway right now. Not before I take <laughs> a picture of you two. Yeah, I, I, I took this as being, again... This character is written like a child. Yeah. Like it, it seems like one of those things where it's like he looks at him and he sees zero threat whatsoever. Yeah. So he's like, you know what? I'll, I'll give him a moment to say goodbye because obviously it's important to him. So he's like, he excuses himself and he's like, I'll get the camera. Like yeah. <laughs> he could, he could easily could have said, I gotta take a shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's but basically he, he does the magnanimous thing and walks away for a minute. He's just like, okay, you guys say your goodbyes and then. Then I'll go fuck her later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have some bacon, um, some eggs, and some pussy for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, he, he's probably like, he's probably like composing a song with those lyrics <laughs> and yeah. as he's as he's cooking bacon breakfast. Bacon and legs, bacon and legs, bacon and bacon, <laughs> bacon and legs. Bingo, you got it. Could put that on the radio. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he excuses himself to grab a camera, uh, and then we get this moment here um, that part of me really likes it and part of me knows that it's terrible but part of me actually does think it's it's interesting like and a lot of it has to do with andy mcdowell actually almost all of it has to do with her to be honest um so basically what happens is they say their goodbyes and uh dale Bieberman feels you know a little sorry for the little fella (laughs) 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 and she like kisses him just underneath the eye it's like a it's a weird spot to kiss someone but it she's like doing the mental math and she's like where can i kiss him where it won't be like too terribly sexually suggestive and it'll 
come across as innocent. And she kisses him like on the sinus cavity. And then he does this weird move where he turns around and like hulks up. <laughs> and then she's like, are you okay? And he whips around and he grabs her and he bends her over and kisses, like kisses her very hard on the lips. And the music explodes. It's, yeah. it's this triumphant piece of music. It's basically an instrumental version of man in motion. And, uh, what she said though, before she kissed him was like, I have a feeling that like, maybe there's a chance I'll really regret what could have been. And this is him acting on that. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Oh yeah, baby, you're going to miss me. <laughs> and the music just overpowers the soundtrack at this point. And he gets in the car and he, he's like, see you later, dude. <laughs> and he's just, he feels like a million bucks and he speeds down the road. Probably not a good idea in the snow. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, but what sold this moment for me and does make like does make me smile a little bit is Andy McDowell's face acting is like she has that like off balance like her heart's a flutter mm-hmm. kind of look where she looks like really confused and conflicted and she's really selling it to her credit like she ha- she's selling exactly what was asked of her and then the music helps too and yeah they take a photo and it's a polaroid and we get to see her looking stunning and him looking kind of dopey (laughs) um and in my my last uh note here about the scene is that like so she's like watching him drive off and you can tell there is maybe a little sense of like regret um but we get a shot of him driving down the mountain and he puts he does the judd nelson move of putting his fist up in the air yeah and uh i called it the the terminator ending shot Mm -hmm. but in the snow (laughs) it's a it's a sarah connor driving down the road in mexico but in the snow yeah, and, and this is where the this is where the movie hits a fucking. It's just boom. We're just gonna really lull you the rest of the way the movie rest uh, out of the movie. Um, Wendy uh, has lunch with her her father. She's gonna dump him uh, basically. Uh, she just yeah. She doesn't like Howie. Yeah, she doesn't like Howie. She wants to get her own apartment. She's basically declaring her independence, like the United States in 1776. Um, she <laughs> decides that she is gonna go off on her own. And Dad's like, "Oh, I'm not happy about it, but it'll be fine." Um, <laughs> I like that kid. He hangs out on the roof. <laughs> and then I have you should hook up with that Bill Campbell. He's a rocketeer. <laughs> Um, Leslie and Alec have a fight at their apartment. It's really catty, and they're like arguing over who gets the records and everything. It's really stupid. Um, oh, it, it's the pettiest horse shit you'll ever yeah. hear. Um, who who has conversations like this? No. Like honestly, and by the way, what is up with the huge mural of a bunch of wet dudes, Kyle? I, don't, I didn't even see it. Who directed this? It's, it's I I don't know, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Schumacher. Yeah has a thing um obviously bat nipples um but yeah it's it's a reverse angle of every other angle we've had of uh of their apartment so this is our first time seeing it in the movie despite having been at this apartment a few times but it's it, the entire wall it's just a bunch of wet rugby dudes i think yeah, I like know. they're all in the rain or maybe even it's just like a sprinkler system or something but what maybe it's maybe what? maybe it's that ali sheedy's been with uh alec for so long and she probably drew it and it's her no it's a photo oh, it's a photo maybe she's a photographer blown, bl- blown up to be the whole but why that photo yeah, maybe she wants to play the field a little bit like she wants to just you know get worked over by a bunch of dudes and this is like oh i need to be on my own for a while and like 
Oh, in a different movie, that would be hilarious if, like, we get to see her putting that up like, after, after the breakup. And he's like, what's that? And she's like, this is how Plans. I feel right now. <laughs> Plans. Planning. <in> the future. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, then we get this weird, this is where this is an uncomfortable Leslie and Kevin hanging out at Jules' apartment. Hang on. Hang on. Couple of choice lines by Jeff Nelson. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so they're, they're arguing about his cheating. And he's like, you, you fucked Kevin, my good friend Kevin. And she's like, you fucked many. And he's like, yes, nameless, faceless many. <laughs> As if that makes it It doesn't better. make it But just the way he better. says it, nameless, faceless many. <laughs> and then he has a moment when she's leaving, and he's just like, he, tur- he turns his face into a gremlin, like an ogre face, and he's like, wasted love. <laughs> and then he smashes some shit. And then we get this moment where... He's drinking, by the way. (laughs) Yes, he is drinking, but wasted love! And then he throws a football and smashes something off screen. But what made me really laugh was that the shot holds on him (laughs) after he breaks the thing. And there's just this beat where he pauses, and I'm pretty sure that they didn't call cut and he was expecting them to. And then he just, like, does, like, one of these, and he says, God, I wish I could just get her back. It's like... It's like a terrible, I want to say it's like a terrible improvisational acting moment where it's like nobody said cut, so he just decided to do something. And then Joel Schumacher and all of his brilliance as a filmmaker decided to fucking leave it in. It's like, no, that was terrible. All of that was terrible, but that in particular was just atrocious. Well, it's not like she does anything in the relationship. It's like if she if she was like supportive of him, if like he had insecurities about like, the work he was doing and she's just like listen like talking him through and stuff like that that would make sense but it's like there's no reason he's like i'm just because i've been with her for a long time i need to marry her like no no real point to it um anyway yeah uh <laughs> leslie and kevin this is fucking awkward uh where they they end up like they're hanging out with jules i guess she's crashing there and he's hanging out with her and they're all like touchy-feely and jules comes in and she's like guys get a room and i think he ask her to move in with him uh after we see demi moore getting ready to go do something and she's just like off the rails again coked out of her head yeah we we actually get to witness her casually doing some blow yeah and uh she she heads out the door before ali sheedy can really get a word in um basically she says oh i'm gonna meet up with forrester who is her her boss basically and uh she's been spending all of her time with him and She's like, oh, no, it's not the right time for you guys to meet him, but I'll have him wave up to you. She doesn't. Um, and Andrew McCarthy and Ali Sheedy look out the window, and they see her get into the backseat of a car with some guy in a trench coat and sunglasses mm-hmm. at, at, like, 8 in the morning or whatever. It's very <laughs> Ferris Bueller. Uh, very, actually. Yeah. Very, actually. Really close. Yeah. Like, it looks exactly like that. Um, Do you have a kiss for daddy? But... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this is where Andrew McCarthy asks Ali Sheedy to move in with him, and she retorts with, uh, sex isn't love. And she has to explain to him yeah. that it's like, you know, we were both in an emotionally sensitive moment. Well, I was. Uh, you were drinking. Yeah, I was. You took advantage yeah, of Yeah, you me. took advantage of that. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that, but, you know, we'll work it out. Um, and yeah, she actually has to explain this to him. Like, he, he's taken aback. Yeah. He's like, what? I thought this was how love worked. It's like, you've been shitting on love the entire movie. You have no idea how it works. 
Uh, yeah. Then um, Alec and- calls. Like now she's having a conversation with Alec while he's like, "Is Kevin there?" Uh, yeah, Kevin. Well, that's what's funny is that, like it starts out sweet. Like he starts out trying to apologize, and then Kevin makes himself known. Tell like, me you're moving in with yes. me. Who's that? Who's it? Tell me you're moving in with yeah. me. And, like I'm not moving in with you. You're yeah. moving in with him. Kevin's there. What the fuck? It's yeah. So as soon as he makes himself known, like it it turns into just an ugly shit show, and then yeah, Judd Nelson hangs up like a petulant brat, and uh. Ali Sheedy just kind of throws her hands up, and she's like, man, I just wish we could all be friends again. I just wish we could all be friends again. I'm like, they've crumbled five minutes. That's more accurate. (laughs) I don't even think we've gotten to Thanksgiving. Like, this is after Halloween. I'm like, we haven't even seen Christmas yet. Like, they've fallen apart six months after graduation. Yeah. And I think we we actually get a reference to a time frame in a bit here. So put a pin in Mm -hmm. that. Um and long story short, she kicks Andrew McCarthy out because she needs some space right now. Obviously, obviously. Um, <laughs> and uh, he he just so happens to I guess bump into Kirby and they commiserate about you know love sucks. What the fuck ever, yeah, again. yeah. We apparently we learned nothing. <laughs> um, and then uh, this is where the editing of this movie starts to get just dumb. Yeah. Just just like bad and dumb. Um, So cut to Judd Nelson at work. Um, I get the sense that there's supposed to have been maybe a passage of time. I don't know because this is the very next moment in the film. Yeah. It's Judd Nelson at his desk working. And and then Ali Sheedy shows up at his office. And, And given their current situation, I would think that they had some breathing room in between. So we could we can assume that it's I mean it's winter time like it's winter when this is happening so I'll give it like a month maybe it's a month after the breaking up we'll give it that. Ugh. Anyway, um, basically she's calling in a favor because uh, Demi Moore left the apartment and then some people showed up to start repossessing her shit. And then somehow Ali Sheedy found out that she's been lying about boinking her boss. And instead, she's been doing something else for the past three weeks. Escorting, I'm guessing. I guess it's all it's all telling without showing. Or so I don't know. Just getting more, Maybe. more and more credit cards. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, she locked Demi Moore has now locked herself in the apartment. Uh, so... Ali Sheedy is assembling the Scooby Squad yeah, to save her. Literally, and this this is this this whole sequence <laughs> this, is very this awful. whole sequence is laughable. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Leslie goes to Alec about Jules, and uh, apparently Jules has locked herself in her apartment, opened up all the windows, is going to freeze to death by or suicide by freezing to death is what I'm gathering, uh, which isn't the worst idea. Maybe in a colder place, I would. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna kill myself. Like like in the thing, it's just like, well. So wait for it to burn out, and then we'll just die, basically, because we're just going to freeze to death. I'm like, yeah. I know, but that was in the freezing in fucking Antarctica. snow. Antarctica. This, yeah. this, yeah, this is a breeze. This is a this is a cool breeze. It's like, put on more clothes. You'll you'll be fine. <laughs> Everybody shows up there, except for Wendy. I don't think Wendy shows up. It's uh, No, yeah. she's conspicuously missing. Yeah, so <laughs> we have um, Kirby and uh, Andrew McCarthy come up after Ali Sheedy and Judd Nelson are there. And he's like, what's he doing here? And he's like, dude, what do you think? Like, We're all here for the same shit. And they're like, oh, let's go try the fire escape. Uh, somebody calls Billy also. I think he's on his way. Uh, the- yeah, Emilio 
<laughs> so they they get up to the fire escape and there are some like steel bars blocking the window for some reason yeah. um and then emilio notices that oh man this might require some muscle i should leave <laughs> so, 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 so he slides down the ladder and he's like oh, i'm gonna get billy he worked at the gas station down the road he's got a torch cutter yeah or not uh, uh yeah he's got a yeah a blowtorch he can yeah torch um, cutter. and in the meantime though uh alec assaults kevin Oh, uh, like yeah. Hangs him. He hangs him upside yeah, down. Yeah, he hangs him over the fucking fire escape. Like, he's going to seriously injure or kill him. And it's supposed to be kind of funny because it's not even like that tense of a scene. And Ali Sheedy's like, you guys, what are you doing? It's so, you shouldn't do that. Um, that's what, that's what's really bizarre about the scene is that we're, we're throwing everything out there all at once. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to wrap up every thread all at once, but we're doing so in the most hurried and sloppy way imaginable. Yeah. No, he's quipping left and right, and we're just trying to do way too much all at once. Yeah. Um, Billy, but yeah, Rob Rob Lowe shows up with with the blowtorch, which they use to cut the bars, but they doesn't. They don't actually use. No, it gets, yeah, they don't actually. Do it gets it. one cut. Billy works at a gas station from 1955, apparently. Uh, <laughs> at least it's the truck that he's driving. Um, yeah, he's uh, he, Andrew McCarthy mentions that he loves her. He's like, I love her, man, and I guess he's just like. It wasn't just a boinking. It was, you know, I'm in love with her. But, yeah, they get the cutting torch. Billy's like, I'm going to go bust in. He's like, you know I'll get in there. And they cut, like, one bar and, like, give up. Like, they, they just stop. Yeah. Um, Billy gets in and, I guess, locks the door. And he has this whole conversation with Demi Moore. It's a bunch of nonsense. And I don't know how it really solves things. We get the titular St. Elmo's fire. Yeah, so the production design in this room makes me titter like a schoolgirl. Um, so it's this big red room in the back of her big pink apartment. Um, and then there's this, there's a whole bunch of stuffed animals piled up on the floor and this big clown that just draws your mm-hmm. eye like no one's business. Yeah. Like, like I'm sorry, you just can't not look at it. And she's like crumpled on the floor crying and Rob Lowe walks in and... Uh, yeah, they just kind of go back and forth, and it is. There's not a whole lot important here. Basically, like she spills oh, she got her guts fired. a little bit. She got fired, and that's like I've been fired twenty times since graduation, which I believe him. Oh yeah, no, I believe him. 100%, how the fuck did he get into Georgetown? That that was the other thing. Like, how the fuck did he get into Georgetown and graduate? That's the, that's the most baffling thing about this movie. Well, what what did he study? Like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't it know. doesn't make any sense. I don't know, but apparently he had a great-ass time because throughout this entire movie, with the exception of maybe this scene and the Halloween party, he is wearing his class jacket. Yeah. It's weird. Um, but yeah, she mentions that like her stepmom has been in a coma and instead of instead of like hanging out with this forester guy or whatever, she's been visiting her mom and she's been unemployed for like three weeks or something. Um what really bothers me about the editing of this movie is stuff like this, where it's like, to quote the wedding singer, information that would have been useful to me yesterday. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I, the viewer, am looking at this and being like, you know, I, I, I want to care, but you're not giving me the tools to. Yeah. And what to make matters worse, we we had a scene between her and Rob Lowe that was very intense and traumatic for her. And then we had a bunch of horse shit with Kirby and Dale Beaverman in between that. 
and and then this this just comes out of nowhere by the way we saw her in the morning with her friends who are living with her so it's like we had this moment where that should have been the catalyst for this Mm -hmm. it's like her being pushed off the deep end and like having an emotionally traumatic experience that leads to her you know getting in over her head or something but no like she seemed fine after that like she totally picked it up after the guy that sexually assaulted her in a car uh, a couple months ago is totally just making every her her wanting to commit suicide all better because he's um, a piece of shit that's the whole conversation yeah and the whole so the title of this movie was always a puzzle for me because I've, I've been hearing this name of this movie for my whole life and i had no idea what it was because it's one of those shitty titles that communicates nothing mm-hmm. Nobody in their right mind gets anything from that title. It's like, what? What is St. Elmo's Fire? And so Rob Lowe has to explain it to us. And as far as I understand, it's just like some sort of atmospheric phenomenon where there's a flash of light on the ground level. It looks, I think it's supposed to mean it, it looks like something's on fire, but it's actually just a light and it's not actually, like it's not actually an emergency. It's like not actually a fire. It just looks like it is. And he's like, you just, you created this drama. Like you're, you're stressed out about things that aren't that big a deal. You just, you think they are. And to that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. But how we wrap this up is pretty dumb. They could have completely gotten rid of like this whole thread and just had them have the next scene basically with them all talking like, that could have just ended with that. No, this this scene reeks of not knowing how to end the movie mm-hmm. and just needing needing something to serve as a catalyst to bring everyone together. Yeah. Minus Wendy for yeah, some fucking Wendy, reason. Fuck <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, speaking of though, um, that that fire is apparently put out mm-hmm. somehow, and I cut to Wendy painting, and Billy is with yeah. her, and she she has moved into her own apartment free of her her father. And she's striking out on her own, and she's pretty upbeat about it. She's feeling good. Her peanut butter and jelly sandwich and, story. She's like, I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and it was in my apartment. It was nice. I, I know that feeling. Mine, that moment for me was, uh, I went to the gym, and then I came back, and it was summertime. The window, It was like a cooler summer day. And um, that song, um, Pinch Me, by Bare Naked Ladies, like, was on my phone for some reason, and I, it just came on. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And I took a couch nap for a few hours. Like, it was just a perfect little afternoon for me. So when she's telling her little story, I'm like, I like that because I've had that moment myself too. Just that moment of like, I'm I'm independent. Like, it's I'm fine now. Yeah. Yeah, no, coming from her, it's like this is actually an instance of maybe the only character in the whole movie that actually completes an arc. Yeah. It's like she, she went from being like, under her father's um, financial umbrella and being emotionally shackled to a just self-destructive piece of shit to having an apartment for herself and you know having a good job and doing all right um but yeah billy tells her relays to to wendy everything that that happened with jules um and then we get an interesting moment here where uh, he he admits finally that like oh yeah i think like my wife and kid will be better without yeah and he 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 you know, I think that in his case, yeah, unfortunately, you know, it would be nice for that that kid to have his biological father. But she does mention uh, when they're when he's playing football that uh, her ex boyfriend, like I guess her boyfriend before him, uh, has 
come a calling and definitely wants to get with her again and is even con- talking about marriage. I don't know what this this movie's fascination is with marriage, but it's interesting because I, I don't know if it's the perspective of the director or the writers or, or whoever, but um, they shit on marriage a lot in this movie. A little bit. <laughs> like, um, it seems to be seems to be the the thesis of the movie anyway but um before he leaves though um he asks again if she is a virgin um and yeah long story short we bang yeah he takes it right from her I'm like oh d- okay <laughs> I, I guess i don't know what that's yeah. all yeah yeah he refers to it as a parting gift oh that's like, fucking disgusting yeah. That's fucking disgusting. That is disgusting. <laughs> Let me get your V card um, as a parting gift. And like, oh, <laughs> wait, is her V card to you the the parting gift, or is your dick to her the parting gift? Either way, it is not cool. I, I mean, I think I think what the logic is supposed to be is that by deflowering her or whatever, it's like her fully crossing another threshold. That makes sense. Like, yeah. Her, it's her fully becoming an adult, and like now she can now she can actually move past him, like because I think that's the intention yeah. is that he's growing he's growing beyond them, and he's he's trying to encourage her to do the same. Mm. Um, speaking of which, it's like we she is kind of the odd man out a lot of times. It's like Wendy, why are you still hanging out? With yeah, these really. <laughs> like, maybe they're all a bunch of drama freaks and shit maybe she wasn't a part of the group maybe he just kind of latched onto her because she was like giving him money and stuff and she kind of wound up in the group a little bit could be i mean she does have a one-on-one with ali sheedy that makes me think that they are legitimately friends but in the entire group dynamic yeah she definitely is on the periphery yeah uh yeah then we get our we get our closing scene uh Mm-hmm. Rob Lowe is going to take a bus to New York <laughs> where he's going to try to succeed in the Big Apple. Uh, yeah, because there's no temptations there. Uh, <laughs> and it's a really inexpensive place to live, so he's going to do just really well. He's de- I think he's going to die in New York. I don't think you don't think he's going to make if, it very far. If this had the ending of Sleepers, yeah, he'd, he'd be dead. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that with his alcohol and drug problem and his sex problem, he's he's going to meet his end there. Um, yeah, he, he goes off. He gets his... You've seen a movie. He gets his one goodbye with everybody, and it's stupid. Um, but the, everybody, the whole group, I guess, is like they're coming to terms with what they have to do next. Uh, Leslie dumps both uh, El, uh, Alec and Kevin in a weird little scene. Uh, just the framing of yeah. this, like the blocking of it. She's sandwiched between these two rabid dogs yeah. who both, yeah. both really want her. <laughs> and she's like, oh, so I don't really want to be with either of you right now. She says like, I want to be alone. And, oh, by the way, I don't, I don't know if this is wise, but Billy, when he says his goodbye to Alec, looks him dead in the eyes and says, don't let her go. It's so stupid. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's <laughs> like just no words yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so she's talking about like yeah you know it's like she even gets a bit of narration that feels like maybe it was inserted after the fact yeah like a like a post-production dub uh, basically like oh yeah as long as i can remember we it's all it's always been the seven of us we've all been together and that's like 
a lot of crossfades of oh, that yeah. first shot of them walking together and like it's a lot of shots of them together i think one of which is in the music video of them all like looking kind of sad through a window mm-hmm. uh, all lined oh, up oh i forgot but, about that um, shot <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but long story short she basically is saying i think it would be a good idea for us all to like spread out a little mm-hmm. bit um and then we get a mixed message here though cuz we get kind of a it's cute from a filmmaking standpoint because it's very tidy, I guess, or at least it's trying to be. Basically, we all walk up to the St. Elmo's bar and we're all standing in front of it and we get a shot peering in and it's a bunch of young people, you know, laughing and having a good time in there. And then they're all like, so you guys want to go in and have a drink? And I think one of them, Judd Nelson probably mentions like, well, I got to be up early and stuff. Like three of them are like, like, oh, we all have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like I guess we're we're adults now. We don't have we don't have it in us to party like the kids anymore. Dude, you drink on weeknights when you're in your fucking twenties. Trust me. Yeah, we're going to the bar. We're fucking. We just graduated. We are so being hungover at work tomorrow. Not a problem. Yeah, I I think the yeah I think at the beginning of the movie a a time is mentioned like we're four months post graduation uh, for most of the beginning stages of the movie. So we're barely a year out of college. Yeah. Like if yeah. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to, you know, be symbolic of yeah. them having gone through a lot of changes. It's like, no, you No, dude. <laughs> but what what's really weird and kind of a mixed message though is we still just we still decide to go get like brunch yeah. t- tomorrow or something. It's like I thought you got I thought you were just saying you wanted to like We're expanding the day drinking now. We're not gonna be doing <laughs> we're not drinking at bar at night. We're gonna we're gonna get brunch on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's they're like, no. They're trying to set <laughs> limits for themselves, and like instead of hanging out with each other in some kind of form every single night, let's keep it to once a week. We catch up, which is no, it's, totally fine. They just like throughout the whole movie, it's just puzzling to me because they have this like, it's a very incestuous group. It's like this surrogate family dynamic that it, it's very foreign to me personally, but. I don't know. Maybe it speaks to other folks, especially folks that move to a different town. In That's what I was about to say. I'm like, this is a bond that you form when you're away from home. Like, this is the, exactly. the family you have away from home. I had it in the military. I'm like, I had my group of friends. I was around all the fucking time. Like, we literally, like, we lived together. We spent every waking minute with each other in our early 20s. And it's scary to, like, I remember being a part of that because I moved way away from home to go to the military and school. That the thought of leaving that group, you're like, oh, that's fucking scary. Like, I don't ever want to leave this group of people. And then as you get older, you end up, you just have to at some point. And it takes more time than six months after graduation for that to happen, for sure. Um, but coming to terms with it, yeah, there's probably better movies that address that. Um, it, it's kind of, it, it sucks at first, but it, looking back, I'm like, nah, wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. yeah. I, I do think it's funny, though, that she mentions, like, wanting to spread things out a bit and it's like you're making arrangements to see them tomorrow yeah. <laughs> like you're you have failed yeah. kirby decides he's gonna go back to law school i'm like dude can you drop out of law school and go back to law school i think he was going to georgetown too like that's top that's like a top 20 law school like if you get accepted like that's a huge deal if you drop out i don't know if they're gonna take you back or if he's gonna go to a different law school no i wanted him to go back in there and try to get his old job back and then it's like oh too late Tom Cruise from the firm took your took your waiter job. <laughs> I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> he's way better looking than me. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we we end, I believe, with a booga 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 booga. Yeah, I think that's the closing line of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I already can't wait to watch this movie again. Uh, <laughs> it is really dumb, uh, but I've yet to find a bad movie more rewatchable than this for myself. Um, that I mean, we arguably Cloud Atlas is up there for me, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually surprised we we didn't pull the trigger on that. This that week. needs its own two-parter because if one, it's a long episode. We'll definitely have to split it up in two. We might have to address like two long movies for one month, just like epics almost. Like let's because I would say Cloud Atlas is teetering on epic at that point because it it mm. it's a lot of characters, it's a lot of stories, and we're covering a lot of ground. And it's yeah, really the not the good. editing of that movie is giving me like. PTSD. It does it. have two of my favorite, two of my favorite movie deaths that I ne- I did not get to to mention on our uh, cinematic deaths episode, but there's two of them on there. I I tried to transcribe all the deaths we mentioned, so maybe we can do another one of those someday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, that that was uh that was the culmination of guilty pleasures yeah. month. I'm glad we I I'm glad we finished strong because. I've told you, I think like every day since we recorded it, I'm so sorry that I picked Flight. <laughs> because I just cannot get over that. I'm like, I'm beside myself about it's your that. Lob- so I'm glad we were able It's your lobster. <laughs> <laughs> it's my lobster. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we were able to finish strong with St. Elmo's Fire, a movie that we both appreciate. Yeah. Um, I think on the same levels. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun going back to it. Um it felt a lot longer this time. Dude, though. I didn't think That's we were going to talk this sure. long about it, honestly. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, next month, um, I believe it's crystallized at this yeah. point that we're uh, we're going to be doing, what are we calling it, like moving on March? Moving on March of the Ides of March. Uh, more or less, we're going to be talking <laughs> about the more or less final film of uh, actors and actresses that have passed away. Um for a few of them, like the last film they did, or even the last two they did, were not significant enough to talk about. So it's with a grain of salt. But for the most part, it's going to be like Anton Yelkins will be, I think, his actual final film. If the one we were talking thoroughbreds, around. yeah, thoroughbreds. I think that's one I'd like we were knocking around. Philip Seymour Hoffman's is like two, two away. Like he had two more after that that were released. And I think there was one, one or two before that that was noteworthy. Um, I don't know who who all we've got it narrowed down to though. We have to we have to decide that. Well, we got to pick four. So um, I think we got to pick yeah, five actually. Five, damn. damn. Okay, a lot of dead, a lot of dead people. Yeah, we got five Tuesdays. Uh, so five Tuesdays in March. Okay, busy, busy, busy month. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, 